Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Hello, folks, and thanks again for coming to Bard's Logic, political talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, the part of the Patriot Journalist Network, and you'll find the Patriot Journalist Network at www.patriotjournalist.com. As I finish my last Girl Scout cookie and cup of coffee for a pre-dinner snack, uh, I'd like to welcome everyone for coming to the show. Tonight we will have 2012 Constitution Party presidential nominee Virgil Goode. Uh, who's endorsed uh, Donald Trump. We will have him on uh, later on in the evening. Uh, so we are looking forward to that. He will be calling in shortly. I believe actually I see him on the line. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring in our guest this evening. And thank you very much, Virgil, for coming back to the show. How are you tonight? Fine, Robert. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. It's uh, good to have you back on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be with you. So, uh, first first question, we'll get uh, straight to questions. I got some, and I'm sure some of the, the panelists do as well. Uh, okay. You know, in the past – I'm sorry? Go ahead. Okay. And, and so in the past uh, four years, you know, since uh, you ran, and you were on pretty many uh, of the ballots. I know you were here in Ohio, on the ballot here in Ohio, because uh, I was one of the voters that supported you. So definitely uh, – etched in that box or, or colored it in, as I said. Um, but, but, but what have you been to, uh, up to for the past uh, four years? What have you been uh, working on? Well, I still have an interest in the same issues that uh, uh, I did in 2012. I really believe that we need to stop illegal immigration, significantly reduce legal immigration, and stop by the invasion that is occurring into our country, and uh, uh, I'm still a pro-life candidate. Uh, well, I'm not a candidate, but I'm, my positions are just like they were in 2012. Too much government spending. Mm-hmm. Go, go I mean, those those are some of the issues that you know we talked about then. Certainly, and uh, and so we'll go, uh, you know, here to 2016, and, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you were the Constitution Party nominee then. Uh, now, Cruz supporters contend that he is the most conservative candidate on the ballot, uh, but you uh, endorsed Trump. What was the reasoning behind endorsing Donald Trump? Oh, uh, his uh, uh, firm commitment and support for building the wall uh, when I was in Congress in the early part of uh, the 21st century, I introduced, uh, I believe I was the first to put in, if I wasn't the first among the first to put in legislation uh, to erect a wall from San Diego to Brownsville. And uh, also uh, 
recognized that uh, the uh, people from the Middle East that want to immigrate to this country need to be properly vetted, and uh, they are not being vetted now. And we have so many really just coming across the border. The problem is getting worse every year. The Obama administration has done uh, uh, very little, in my view, to stem the flow. In fact, they've encouraged it to encourage the kids from Central America to come into this country. And then what happens when uh, legal status is gotten, uh, then they can bring in the families. And it's, uh, it, it, it's swamping us. We, we, have, we spend so much on legal immigration. The, the people that come here as refugees, most of them get uh, free, free food, free place to stay, free education, uh, free medical mm-hmm. care, and uh, the taxpayers are paying for it. You're better off to be an illegal alien in many instances than you are uh, to be a U.S. citizen. It's just in mm-hmm. the Obama administration... They want people to come in that they think will vote Democratic and be liberal, and that's what they've done. They've uh, the uh, diversity visas, uh, primarily from the Middle East. They need to be eliminated. We shouldn't even have that program. And I, I'm just touching the, you know, and the uh, the situation where illegals can come in and have a kid. The kid is then a U.S. citizen. That uh, that's not. Uh, the correct interpretation of the constitutional amendments adopted right after the Civil War. And I, I, I introduced legislation in Congress uh, to change by statute uh, or make it clear that that interpretation by a court decision was incorrect. And it, that is a huge drain on the health care system. Uh, aliens mm-hmm. are a big part of our prison population. The flood just never stops, and I think Trump uh, would be the most effective on uh, on stopping that. Now, uh, Cruz, uh, some of the things I like about Cruz, but he was for greatly expanding the H-1B visa program. The H-1B visas come over here and take the best jobs that should be going to U.S. citizens. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton stand up and say, I'm all for the middle class, I'm for the middle class, the Republicans aren't. The best thing you can do for the middle class is to clamp down on immigration, redo these trade deals, and Trump has said that uh, Cruz is not for redoing the trade deals. He's a, uh, he's a free trader, and the trade deals have benefited mainly the super-rich. And they're the ones that contribute to campaigns. As you know, when I was running in 2012, I, I didn't accept any donation over $200. Uh, Trump is mm-hmm. not accepting any political action committee money, and uh, no super PAC is uh, behind him. And the super PACs and the candidates, while they don't have direct coordination, it's a wink and a nod, and they know uh, our Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. what's going on. The super PAC should yeah. be totally eliminated. In fact, all mm-hmm. PACs should be eliminated. No corporate PACs, no union PACs, no PACs at all, individual contributions only. Uh, that would be a, the, the best help for the political system. And, of course, I still support term limits. I've not heard Trump, Cruz, uh, 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 or Kasich talk about term limits. Oh, no, and I've been saying, you know, on social media and on the show, 
you know, if Cruz gets in, I think for the most part it's going to be it's going to be just status quo, especially now that he's going to owe the establishment, you know, for trying to pave the way. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, yeah, I remember also, you know, you were even talking about putting a moratorium in 2012 on uh, just any uh, illegal, any immigration until we got uh, the right. Mm-hmm. Until we got like the uh, uh, right unemployment rate. Yeah, we could. Uh, uh, we need. Uh, we need a moratorium now, and just uh, you, you can't keep bringing in so many persons. Now they've got, and I've forgotten the number of it. You've got a visa where if you uh, create so many jobs and and uh, and use a million dollars or more to start a business that's being abused i don't know I've, uh, but if you know something like that would be the only way where you're creating jobs in this country and uh the money comes here and stays here uh trump is right on about uh, the uh, uh taxing all the uh money orders that flow to mexico and central america if you did that the money orders are the biggest part of the Mexican economy and it's coming mm-hmm. right out of this country going back to Mexico yep. and uh, and if you just did that you'd have plenty of money to build a wall mm-hmm. part and parcel one of the ways that he was, he was talking about uh, the way of having them, uh, the Mex- you know, Mexico pay for the wall, people are like you can't make it it's like well they're not directly going to cut Trump a check but you know the country a check or what have you but you know through those kind of uh, you know working with those measures would be the way in which in essence they would be or in actuality too it would be paying for the wall and, and, and yeah can, and you uh, could get you, his, you could stop i'm sorry go ahead Rob. oh no i was gonna say you could get as de- you you can get as detailed and uh, as you want uh this evening i know you said you could give us about a half hour but you know if you want to get as in depth and stay longer you you're more than welcome to do that too of course you know that uh so go ahead well, I appreciate that. No, I, I, I need to. Uh, uh, I've got to get up early, about five thirty in the morning. So I'll have to. Oh my gosh! Well, let's, let, well, then let me go ahead and get a couple more questions out. I, I okay, know I've got sure. a, some folks who'd like to, to to talk with you, but I want to get these out uh, while I have you here. Now, of course, there's been a lot of controversy uh, recently around the media and media play surrounding the recent delegate uh, squabble there in Colorado. Uh, through what you know about you know what's happened, what do you think uh, about the voters? Do you think they've been disenfranchised in Colorado? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, I don't. They didn't have a primary in Colorado this year. They've had them in past years, but they didn't. Uh, I mean, I can speak from knowledge here in Virginia. Trump won overwhelmingly in the ninth district of Virginia. Uh, he, he got well over. Uh, uh, well over half the votes, and I'm not looking at the exact totals, but uh, Cruz was third. Rubio was second in the ninth district. And they had the ninth district convention. One delegate was a Trump delegate, and then there's two for Cruz. Um, but it's the rules that they, the Republican Party, uh, I think they should, in all states, should give greater weight to what the uh, if you win uh, 40% of the vote in the states, or if you want to do it on a district level, that's all right. You should get the delegates and have them bind to you, and you get to pick, if you are the candidate, you get to pick who the delegates are. 
mm-hmm. if, if you have a primary, uh, rather than uh, just letting the party apparatus pick the delegate. Uh, here in Virginia, I don't know, and Trump carried Virginia, I don't know if Trump will get, uh, uh, and, and Rubio was second, and Cruz was a distance third in Virginia. I, I don't know if Trump will end up with as, as many delegates uh, uh, as uh, uh, as he won in the uh, apparently on the first ballot, but on the second ballot, when the party apparatus picks them, they'll just scatter any way that the mm-hmm. uh, establishment, for lack of a better word, sees fit. I, I mean, what happened in the ninth district? You had one guy in one county cast all the votes for that county. And he had a relative in an adjacent county, and that person uh, got to cast all the votes for that county. And they single-shotted for the delegate, and uh, that young kid ended up being uh, a Cruz delegate. And, uh, you know, I, the way the the rules are, I don't think that's if, – if only one person shows up from a jurisdiction – they couldn't. Ha- they shouldn't have more than one vote. In other words, if a county has mm-hmm. 25 votes and one person shows up, then why should that, that person get to cast 25 votes? And that's exactly what happened in the ninth district. And also in the ninth wow. district, the the uh, uh, Trump people didn't get together <clears throat> like I think they should have. They had uh, I, uh, more than six running for delegate. And uh, they split up the votes, and that that hurt them, too. Uh, So you could say, well, uh, the Trump people should have gotten together. They probably should have and said, look, we're just going to have three or four running, and that's it. And uh, in the 5th District, I think we'll end up doing something. I I think we're going to uh, be wary of just one person from one jurisdiction coming. We're going to make sure that doesn't happen. And that, and that person yeah, voted certainly. Cruz, and and, uh, and and his relative voted for him, and he voted for himself and didn't vote for anybody else. So uh, hmm. uh, they that that individual got to be a Cruz delegate. It was under the rules that set up uh, the uh, and the Republican convention process have uh, has traditionally allowed uh, if. If you have 10 people from a jurisdiction, but you have, excuse me, 75 votes, those 10 people each get seven and a half votes. But when you have a primary that precedes the selection of delegates, I think they should be apportioned. And they are on the first ballot, but I think the the candidate that got 37 or 40 percent of the votes should get 40 percent of the delegates and get to pick Mm -hmm. who the delegates are rather than having the party apparatus. I mean, at the state level here in Virginia, and it's it's a little different all over the country, and I'm, I'm not sure of the exact process in uh, Colorado, uh, but they did not have a primary in uh, those states. Yeah, no one knew if you get anybody voted. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if they, uh, how they voted in, uh, in Colorado. I think they had a precinct meeting. Then you had to get it there. Then you go to the county. Then you go to the state, or you may go to the district and then the state. Uh, but when you have an election for votes to count and mean something, which they should, uh, the delegates should be apportioned on the basis of the vote, 
and the candidate or the candidate's committee should pick the uh, delegates and not uh, have uh, the party chair and the uh, uh, higher-ups in the party pick who the delegates are. You know, I think that pretty much answered my next question. So I'll just give it a fourth. I'll get a, a couple callers in before you got to uh, get going. Uh, sure. But this, uh, uh, this question is, you know, Trump on CNN last night uh, for a town hall with his family, uh, one of the topics they came up with uh, was his VP pick. Now, I contend that uh, if Cruz does uh, somehow get the nomination, uh, I think he'll be forced to pick an establishment guy uh, just for payment back to them for paving the way. Uh, to a nomination for Cruz. But let's say, you know, Trump was to get the nomination, and he says he's looking, you know, he's got some folks in mind or people who would he would pick for a VP. Let's say, you know, Donald Trump would come up and ask you if you would consider accepting a VP pick. Would that be something you would consider? There's there's no chance of that. Uh, I am for (laughs) Trump, and uh, I hope he uh, picks a VP candidate that – uh, wouldn't uh, I know you've got to balance a ticket to some extent, but I hope he'll pick a VP candidate that would stand firm on uh, uh, immigration, redoing the trade agreements, uh, standing up for the middle class, uh, reviving the economy, and, uh, uh, and, and somebody that would be pro-conservative values. Well, there, you, well, that would be you, right? No, as uh, there will be many that he's what about he's you, got, you put uh, that bill. <laughs> well, I, I, that, you know, I hope he would pick someone like that. But you know, if he has to make a deal with Kasich to get the nomination, uh, I can understand that. And uh, uh, I don't like Kasich's position on legalization of illegals. Uh, if he mm-hmm. had to make a deal with Rubio, I don't like Rubio's position on uh, legalization of illegals. But I think ever who, mm-hmm. if he picked one of those, for example, uh, then uh, they would have to uh, uh, submit to Trump's view on uh, no amnesty or no legalization for the illegals, and they've got to get out. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, you know, of course, beside yourself, I have a, a short list who I would like to see. Uh, him nominate or bring on as a VP if he got the nomination, of course, you know, and I did bring that up because I thought that'd be, I think you'd be a great pick for him, seriously. As I said uh, in the beginning uh, of tonight's show, I mean, I voted for you for president, so of course, I well, think he's a VP. Um, and so, and another person I would say would be Newt Gingrich. I'd say if, you know, Newt Gingrich, I right. think would be a good pick uh, for him and or, you know, chief of staff, but Here's what I contend. is If he does somehow get the nomination, which I know they're really fighting hard for him not to, uh, is I think the only thing that may heal the party, uh, if he doesn't pick someone like yourself or Newt Gingrich, I say the only uh, other uh, person I think that maybe for him to pick that would be the way to, to heal the Republican Party, not just the Republican Party, but the voters, because there's a lot of – I don't want us to go as far as say hatred <laughs> between the Trump camp and the Cruz camp, but there's a lot out there. And I think the only thing that can heal that uh, that chasm is for the party to say, look, guys, we know you're not, you know, just like they did with uh, Reagan and, and, and Bush. So, look, for the good yeah. of the party, for the good of fighting against Hillary Clinton, those two might have to get together because now, you know, and I think that's the best thing for Cruz because here's the thing. If Trump gets it, 
and he picks uh, someone like yourself or Newt Gingrich, I think that's a winnable ticket against Hillary Clinton. But if Cruz was to somehow get in, he would be forced to pick an establishment candidate, and I really think, you know, for VP, and I really think he would have to. He would really have to give them payback. That's not going to be Hillary Clinton. I, I just don't think that'll be I Hillary think Clinton. You're right. And and Trump Cruz, I think, would be a strong ticket. And uh, no, I think uh, that would beat him. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would beat him. And and Cruz really, uh, he uh, Trump and Cruz ought to think about this. Donald Trump, sixty nine years old. He'll serve one term for sure if he gets it, and, and maybe he'll run again. Uh, but uh, Ted Cruz is mid forties. He would be in his early fifties after Trump was through. He would uh, be first in line uh, for running mm-hmm. for president uh, 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 four or eight years from now. And I think for the good of the party and for appealing to persons outside of the Republican Party, then uh, a Trump cruise ticket would be very good. And I might add there's a, uh, a billboard that was put up uh, uh Back before the first of the year, I would say in the fall of 2015, with a picture of Donald Trump for president and Ted Cruz for vice president. So then, yeah, and, and maybe that they'll have to do that. Well, let me yeah, go ahead and, and uh, re- go ahead. No, no, I, no, I, I you, think you. you're right. You're I think you. I think <laughs> you. No, I think you're exactly right. Uh, you know, one guy I'd like to see on the Supreme Court or uh, be a VP pick if uh, if he if he doesn't pick someone uh, from uh, within uh, the uh, uh, the uh, number of those running would be uh, uh, Jeff Sessions from Alabama. He is very mm-hmm. strong on uh, Second Amendment. Uh, very strong on. Uh, Social issues and uh, excellent on immigration, and he w- he would be a good pick uh, if if he doesn't uh, if he's not on the ticket. I think I hope Trump would consider him uh, for a Supreme Court appointment. He has uh, uh, he was a prosecutor and be a great asset to the Supreme Court. And perhaps take uh, you know Antonin Scalia's uh, spot. Right. We know that's that, that's yeah, hopefully they, that they, would be yes he would be uh, he would follow the Scalia tradition in my opinion be an excellent choice. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And so we got you know we got a, a few minutes left uh, or so with him. Let's okay. get a couple callers. I, I don't think we'll be able to get yeah. everybody in here. Uh, we've got uh, Susan uh, on the line. Uh, Susan, go ahead. And while you're speaking with our guest tonight, I'm going to do a little uh, call screening. Go ahead, Susan. Susan, I got your mic on. Oh yeah, yes. Um, I I was on mute, <laughs> and I had to get to it. Um, well, you know, so I just found an interesting article. Roger Stone says Trump delegates should sign a loyalty pledge. I was fascinated with that. Um, loyalty to what? Oh heck, they come to me with that. I'd tear it up in their throat in their faces. Because uh, I'm not going to be loyal to anyone except Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and what I believe. So I hope that no delegate does that. Um, he said, it says here, the same insiders who nearly destroyed the Republican Party are at it again, plotting a bathroom deal to block Trump's nomination as GOP candidate for president. 
He is played by the rules, and he's winning big. This loyalist-led plot, lobbyist-led plot, was concocted by the donor class, and others who have bought and paid for the allegiance of dishonest brokers of the Republican Party. And they listed the Bushes, Mitt Romney, Paul Singer, the Ricketts, and Zuckerberg driving the train for the lobbyist insider class committed to stopping Trump, uh, led by my old partner, Charlie Black, a shrewd and skilled political officer as exists today. So I thought that was rather uh, interesting. And Zuckerberg, I mean, why is he out there trying to stop Bernie, for example? I mean, you know, that's pretty bitter feud. I, I told him I thought that Cruz and Hillary should team up. <laughs> Bernie and Trump should team up. <laughs> well, what an interesting battle that would be. I don't believe that they will uh, uh, I, I hope they won't uh, uh, Make every delegate Sign a loyalty oath To uh, uh, Do that Now you uh, You do have to say that uh, Whether or not you support You know like Bob Dole He, he said that uh, uh, If Cruz was elected, he'd probably sleep in on election day. I don't think they can force anyone to go vote for whoever they uh, pick, but I, I think so. I don't think they will end up saying that you have to uh, vote for and, and actively support whoever the nominee is. But I, I, I would have to say this: I think most would go along with the nominee if they feel the process has been fair. So I, that's very important in my view, that the process be fair. No, that, well, I totally agree over, with that. Party over principle and voter apathy have led to a loss of liberty. And it's time to stop it. Right. Yeah, we talked, uh, we talked right. a lot about that uh, in 2012 when we covered uh, – because they did, I mean, they, they had to, I believe some delegates had to take some kind of, uh, if I remember correctly, loyalty oath to uh, Romney uh, back then. But we are running, unfortunately, out of time, and I do got the John uh, on the line and Dr. Tolbert, but we'll probably just only have time for John. Sorry, uh, Mr. Tolbert, but let's go ahead and bring John on. He's got a quick question, and then uh, we'll get a quick answer. And, and then I uh, want to thank you, Virgil, for coming back on, and hopefully we'll be able to have you on again. Go ahead, John. Yes, thank you, Mr. Good, for fielding our questions and bringing your personal experience and expertise to our uh, to this conversation. I'm just kind of concerned about the natural-born status of Ted Cruz. So if we're going to go ahead and let him play, you know, in this campaign, do you feel that that's potentially throwing the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, you know, the whole founding and promise and spirit of our Founding out the wheel, out the window, or under the bus. Well, I I think you raised an issue about uh, Ted Cruz that's uh, uh, valid, and uh, now I I have heard, haven't seen it in black and white, that a lawsuit is pending, and I can't remember which state, but challenging, and it may be more than one. I think Illinois has one, but there's another one where a brief has been filed stating that he is 
he's not eligible to run because he certainly was not born in the United States. And uh, his father was uh, uh, not a U.S. citizen. His mother was at the time. And really, though, it's a question, too, I think, if you, if you applied it uh, uh, like it should be, I, I question whether John McCain should have been uh, eligible to run. He was born in Panama. Well, that was their pick, and that's who they wanted to have uh, elected. Yeah, <laughs> or nominated, I, I should uh, say. Uh, and we see well, how that turned out both uh, times. Yeah, uh, uh, it, it, it's not being covered or talked about now. Someone has said that there was a court, uh, a judge ruled that Cruz uh, was eligible. But I, I think you need to. I'd really want to look in it if I was deciding the case uh, on it because the Constitution says you have to be a natural-born citizen, and in my view, that means you got to be a natural-born citizen in the United States. And my bigger concern is they're just setting up presidents with these kind of candidates, and Marco Rubio would fall under that same category that we're not even going, I mean, we have a hard enough time getting these people to even adhere to our Declaration of Independence and Constitution. They're always perverting it and just running roughshod over we the people, and this is just another president to say, you know, we get to make the rules and you guys are a bunch of fire hydrants and we're the top dogs and we're just going to urinate all over you. That's about right because uh, uh, mm-hmm. with uh, immigration being like it is, uh, they just bringing all these people in that's little regard uh, for the Constitution. They they don't they 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 come from countries and they want to bring the culture. But to go back to the point about anchor babies, there's no way in the world that they should be legal. I don't know of another country besides the United States saying if your parents are illegally in this country, then. Uh, you are an automatic citizen of the United States. That is not what the Constitution says, and uh, it, it, it's really it, 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 that's the biggest whack at what's valid in the, under the Constitution, and really it uh, it undermines not only the Constitution but the rule of law in this country. It's almost predatory, you know. Take or be taken. Uh, beat or be beaten I mean scam or be scammed It's just sad What do they call that survival of the fittest mentality I, I don't know But it's uh, I, I can tell you that It's The interpretation by that court That said that uh, uh, the, uh, the Constitutional amendments Adopted in 1865 And 1866 and 1867 Meant that uh, uh, somebody born in this country or people illegally in the country is not a citizen. And then you, you, you've got the situation now where persons come in from other countries and um, uh, they are a citizen of China and then they're born in this country, so they're a citizen of the United States. And, and that shouldn't be. And, of course, Cruz, was uh, he was a citizen of Canada and the United States and just not too long ago, renounced Canadian citizenship. Mm-hmm. 
And he I mean, was if that wasn't politically motivated. <laughs> he never right. was. Well, you see, uh, real, real quick, John, real quick, because I, I really want to respect uh, Virgil's time, because, uh, you know, he did say we'd be able to give us, uh, you know, a half hour. Uh, we're at that point. Unfortunately, I know it gets really quick. Uh, heck, a lot of times the whole show goes really quick, but I do want to, uh, you know, bring it over uh, back to you, Virgil. You said half an hour, of course, as you said, you're, you're, you're welcome to stay, but that's, you know, if, if you got to call it, you got to get up at 5.30. We completely understand. Yeah, I've got to get up at 5.30. And, um, I, no, I've appreciated the opportunity to be with you again, Robert, and I'll be glad uh, 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 later in this campaign season if you want me to come back and talk about the elections, I'll be glad to do that. Well, certainly. Uh, we definitely were going to have you back on. And just a, a side note before you go is that uh, back in 2012, you had that uh, third-party debate uh, with Free and Equal uh, there in Chicago, and you, yourself was there, and Jill Stein was there, uh, and, you know, a couple others. And the only reason why I'm bringing up Jill Stein is I finally got the opportunity to meet her. I was at the uh, Green Party's convention, Ohio convention, uh, I guess a couple weekends ago, and I actually finally got to talk very briefly with her. Uh, and I still have to contact her on it, but we, we may very well have her on the show because uh, we do uh, cover grassroots candidates, as you know. But I thought you might find that interesting. I do. And uh, is she uh, seeking uh, the Green Party nomination again this year, or is someone else running on that? She is. Uh, there's uh, she they is. have like five candidates. Of course, she's you know she's in the top of the running. Uh, the uh, at the convention I went to, she got 61 percent of the vote. <laughs> yeah, so that that means she's uh, headed. And I don't know if Gary Johnson is he uh, trying to get the uh, libertarian I think nomination so. again. Okay, mm-hmm. I believe so. I think John Stossel on a couple of his shows. I have him taped it. Just haven't had the opportunity to to look at him. Is uh, you know had a third party debates on his show, and uh, our friend uh, Kelly Mordecai. Uh, yeah, I think he's even on the line. He's working on getting uh, get perhaps Gary Johnson is right, you know, last running mate on the show as well. So, you know, we'd like to have uh, the alternate parties. One thing I'll leave with this uh, for you to hear, and then you'll go, is, you know, one thing the Republican debates did prove this uh, this election is that you can indeed have five candidates on a floor during a debate. And while the two of them will probably get most of the time, you'll still have the other candidates up there that have legitimacy and also opportunity to get their voices heard. And I think if they can do that in a Republican primary, they certainly can have on the national stage a Republican, a Democrat, Constitution Party, Libertarian, and Green Party. I'll leave you with that, Virgil. Uh, Thank you very much uh, for coming to the show. I definitely would like to have you back uh, on again, and uh, we appreciate it. It's great to have you back on. You take care. Thank you. Thank you, Robert, and have Thank a you. good evening. Thank you. You too. Have a good evening. Definitely, folks, uh, as I said, Virgil Goode, he uh, ran for the 2012 uh, presidential uh, candidate for the Constitution Party, and he was uh, on the show numerous times uh, back then. And I tell you what, I actually got the opportunity to meet with him face-to-face, and if you if you have not met, a more salt-of-the-earth guy than the gentleman we just had on the show tonight. Uh, let me tell you something. I'll tell you a little story. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the third-party debate in Chicago. 
uh, where he drove from Virginia to Chicago in his own vehicle uh, there. And then on the way back from Chicago, driving back to Virginia, uh, I wanted to do a face-to-face interview with him or at least discussion with him uh, for the show. And this was in Troy, Ohio, which was a couple of hours away for me. Uh, but I was running late, and he was uh, at a diner with a, a couple, well, I believe it was his wife, and then uh, some of his party people, I mean his uh, candidate people and uh, campaign staff. And so I called him. I said, Virgil, I said, I- I'm going to be late. I said, I, I hope we get to uh, meet to talk. And he's like, I tell you what, Robert, he said, when, you know, when you get close, you call me just because you need other other directions, and I'll, I'll wait for you. And I'm like, I'm flabbergasted, right? I mean, here's a guy running for president. I mean, he's on the ballot in 48 states, okay? And so I do, you know, I call him. I'm like, oh, I'm close. He gave me some uh, directions, and I, you know, I got there, got to meet him. Uh, he even bought me lunch. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, we talked. I got a photo with him and uh, his family and some of his staffers, and we had a conversation. And as I said, I mean, if you would have not known this guy was running for president of the United States has been in Congress for 12 years. Okay. To sit down. And if you didn't already have that knowledge, you would have thought you were just sitting down to a just regular old guy, just sitting down having a hamburger and fries. You know, that's actually what we had <laughs> hamburger fries and, some, and a Coke or something. Uh, but I tell you what, there's not many Virgil goods, I think uh, out there, especially those who spend as much time, as he has in Washington, I mean, 12, you know, 12 years in Congress and then uh, get the nomination for uh, the presidency for, you know, a, a political party and still be as, you know, as down to earth as Virgil Good as I'm telling you. Uh, so that's, um, definitely great to have on uh, and, you know, develop friendship with him. And uh, it's, it's great being able to have him on the show. And, and I am looking forward to having him back on. Uh, now we got a couple more folks on. If you'd like to chime in as well, uh, about tonight's topic. Of course, we'll talk more about the interview if you'd like. Uh, we also want to discuss what happened in Colorado and moving forward. Uh, and uh, we do have a couple other candidates coming on. You might be like, what, Robert, why are you on the Green Party on here? Well, one, if you're new to the show, I am an environmentalist. I am a conservative environmentalist, which is not an oxymoron. It can't happen. Just ask Duke Gingrich. Uh, so you can uh, check that he actually coined a phrase called uh, green conservatism. Check it out. Uh, so anyway, we are going to have some folks in the Green Party because one of the things I like to do, folks, and you may or may not agree with this, uh, but I would like for us to, to break up the duopoly of the Republican-Democrat uh, control paradigm over us because the oligarchy who are comprised of our so-called representatives don't serve us anymore, don't represent us anymore, but they indeed rule us. And I think one of the ways that we can stop that is by having – a multi-party system, and breaking up duopoly. And so perhaps we can have that be part of our conversation tonight as well. But I do want to focus on, uh, you know, Colorado. If you have any information that, we definitely want to talk about it. And before I bring in Dr. Tolbert, and I see Kelly wants to chime in too, uh, if you want to chime in, give us a call at 347-945-7428. I do see other, see other folks on the line. Push that one on your number dial when you want to get in. I'll get you into the show. And while you're out there, you know, waiting either to get on or listening, one thing I'd appreciate doing is check out our website at www.barslogicpoliticaltalk.com. One of the things you can do there is you can push that little tweet button if you are a Twitter user, and you can share out the links of tonight's show with your friends. 
or your followers. Uh, so I definitely, if you could do that, you know, just open up a new tab and go to www.barslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, you could tweet that out also if you have email, and I know everybody does. I also have on the contact page uh, where you can copy and paste where I send out to uh, my email lists. I got a couple of them uh, to take out the link of the show to people. I'd really appreciate if you did that. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. There's a button there on the website. As well as uh, you can also see the Bloomberg TV, which I wouldn't watch that now, but you can watch that later when you're not listening to the show. Uh, and I also have the Bard's Logic Newsroom, uh, where you can find a number of articles on uh, a lot of different topics there. So check that out as well. And there's a couple, you know, some other pages. Uh, you know, just go through it. Uh, not all tonight, but when you look at the website. But mostly uh, tonight, what I ask is just to go to that Twitter button, tweet out the show to your Twitter followers, go to the email, send it to your friends uh, who would be interested in listening to uh, the podcast or be joining us later tonight. And also here on Blog Talk Radio, uh, you can also get emails in a way where there's a little follow button where you can follow the show. And then uh, before I, you know, about a half hour usually, or maybe even at start time, I do send out an email. Uh, trying to get, to get it out there earlier uh, so the folks know that, yes, we do have an upcoming uh, show on and then what the topic is for tonight. So definitely, folks, if you could do that. Now, we do want to thank our guy I'm getting ready to come back in, uh, and that's Dr. Tolbert, because what he's been doing is he's actually been taking the links to our show, okay, our show, and he's been putting it on his website. And so I really want to thank you, Dr. Tober, for doing that. And speaking of him, let's go ahead and bring him to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you, Robert. And the reason I do that because I support your show 100% because of who you bring on as thank guest you. speakers. I may not always endorse your guest speakers. I do endorse your topics. So let me start there, all right? Okay. And then I'd like to just comment a, a, a couple comments just to clarify some points. One, the other state that was filed a suit against Cruz was New Jersey, and the judge did say that New Jersey yes. would endorse Cruz and that they did consider him, although I do not consider him constitutionally eligible uh, to be a, um, a president because of the facts that Virgil had mentioned uh, concerning his father not being an American, not born on American soil. And what they've done is that they've looked at the Constitution from the standpoint of when the 13 colonies said that anyone prior to this date was natural citizen, and the, the, the judges are not really able to make a decision confirming eligibility of what natural citizen is until such a time as the Supreme Court actually takes the case, and hopefully that'll happen. And what we know with Rubio, of course, he was born in 71. His parents were both uh, not uh, naturalized until 74. So there's a lot of open doors there. So I wanted to make that. Second, we've, we've done a lot of interviewing on the Constitution Party's current president uh, uh, nominees, and I'm really surprised that a candidate that ran for the Constitution Party is now supporting a Republican candidate and not supporting the Constitution Party's candidate. Even though we are not a member, we did follow our paperwork as a minor party on April the 1st for Citizens for a Better America, which would be CFA for the state of Florida, 
which I'm running for the United States Senate. The next thing was that unless Congress declares the illegal immigrants invaders, the Fed, Trump or no other president or elector or candidate can do anything about the illegal immigrants. And what every candidate fails to mention, the issue is Congress, according to the U.S. Constitution and the Supreme Court rulings, has been and still is that it's Congress's responsibility first before any wall, before any border can be protected or anything happens to the illegal immigrants, it's going to take Congress to declare them as invaders. So that's three of the issues that he covered. One, I don't understand why he's not supporting his own political party. Two, the fact that the courts did uh, in New Jersey, which I disagree with, uh, say Cruz was eligible. The uh, the, uh, issue of uh, immigration, um, we just wrote a uh, 12, uh, Article 13 article constitution, which included uh, that anybody was in this country could not for two years send any money out of country at all, period. And that would be part of what we would do if we were actually running and became the president of the United States. Unfortunately, that has to be done at state level under our, under Amendment 10. And everybody keeps forgetting that the state's rights override the federal government and that the states can can deny or not accept a Supreme Court ruling, and in a, if it's unconstitutional. And there's been seven cases. They just did one on districting. The Supreme Court made a rule saying that uh, if you're an illegal immigrant or if you're not a registered voter, uh, you can be counted uh, in districting, which supported the Republican Party. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now, term limits, where Congress needs to have term limits where the Supreme Court people have to have term limits. There are so many violations of, of what's going on, and I'm really concerned. I'm running into there are 22 people in the state of Florida running for the U.S. Senate. Out of the 22 people, nine of them are non-party. Eight of the nine non-party are actually Democrats or Republicans claiming to be non-party just in order to keep the non-party individuals out of the election scenarios. Mm. Out of the 22 candidates running for U.S. Senate, only one candidate has a website, a telephone number, an email address, and a contact. I'm the only one in the state of Florida. There are currently so many problems and corruptions between the Democrats and Republicans who are switching to no party affiliated and independent and also supporting the best of the worst or the worst of the best that the American people needs to understand these minor parties. And I've been asked by the constitution party and other political parties to work together with all political minor parties to come up with our own delegate. And to and I wholeheartedly agree that the minor parties have to get together, work together if we're ever going to change America back to the constitution. Well, tell you what, we've got a, a in the next two weeks we have a gentleman who is running in Ohio. They're both running in Ohio, uh, but they're both from the Green Party as well. Uh, one is going to be running uh, for Senate, and he is uh, going to be running against uh, Rob Portman. And I believe that's actually in my district, so that that, that should be interesting. Uh, 
And then we're also have a guy, it's not in my district, uh, but after hearing from him, I like him even more. Um, and, and you'll find out more in a couple of weeks. He's going to be on the, on the 27th. He's running for the House of Representatives. Uh, now, one, he, one thing I will say, uh, the reason I liked him, uh, when you listen to him, I mean, yeah, there will definitely be some things you won't be he- surprised to hear uh, because, you know, he is a Green Party candidate. But one thing uh, that really took me, and I was like, wow, I've been waiting for these presidential candidates to mention something about this, but none of them have. He was like, one of my parts of his platform is getting uh, getting a man on or woman, you know, getting a person on Mars. And people are like, what? It's just like, well, seriously. I mean, look look at the, the space race and what it did for the United States, you know, back in the, the 60s, right? Okay. And then, you know, by doing, you know, the technology, getting back to the space, getting back in the game. New Gingrich talked about in 2012 building a, a colony on the moon, which would, could do two things. One, uh, can be a platform uh, for, you know, future going to, you know, inhabiting, not having, but at least going, uh, putting a human being on Mars. And then second, uh, you can, you know, harvest helium-3, which we use for nuclear fusion reactors, react, uh, reactors, which is a clean form of energy, uh, that basically could she the energy uh, that of the sun, because that's what the sun is, is nuclear fusion, and it's a clean fuel, but you need helium-3 for, like, you know, cooling things down, things of that nature, which is a very rare element here on the Earth, but it's found in abundance uh, in the, uh, the the soil, not quite soil, but, you know, like the dusted soil there on the moon. So that could be one of the, the reasons. That there's actually a, a movie, I can't remember what it's called, that kind of talks a little bit, uh, about that, but definitely, I've got some audio clips. Yeah, perhaps we'll do a show it. I'll show on it, and we can play the audio for those. But um, I'll just interject in the back, Doctor Colbert. No, and I and, 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 and so I uh, go ahead. Yeah, and I appreciate what these other candidates are voicing, and you know, we just did an article on uh, the EPA and the unconstitutionality of the EPA. And we get into articles about grievances, and we filed uh, paperwork against the state of Florida and against the federal election uh, division and uh, how the electors are supposed to be selected and how their electors are supposed to be voted in by the electors and, you know, and how this whole procedure that the Democrats and Republican parties are violating the U.S. Constitution. So we get into a lot of fouling articles, grievances. And in fact, there was a gentleman named Gary who's running for the representative up in Tallahassee, no party affiliated, that were supporting to just filed a uh, writ of mandate against the state of Florida for violation. So there are people out there that if everybody just goes back and tries to find out who the no party, who the independent, who the minority parties, don't select the worst of the of the best of the worst, but select the candidate that you believe in. And this is the problem today. We're picking a candidate, for an example, whether it's Trump or whether it's 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 Clinton or whoever. We're picking him because we want to pick a president that's better than the worst president, but still not one that is really qualified. Uh, if Donald Trump switches to a no affiliated, which he might just have to do. Because the way it's going to be stacked up against him and the way the Republican Party is setting up the electoral colleges so that he cannot win, um, you know, then he's going to be picking a candidate 
that's probably no party affiliated also or from one of the minor parties. That may not be a bad thing to do for Donald Trump. So there's a lot of things people have to look at. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, and he may do that, you know, personally, I, I hope he, you know, gets the nomination for the Republican party. Uh, at this point in time, it, it probably will end up being either whoever the Republicans, uh, pick or or Hillary Clinton he'll be president I loathe the thought of Hillary Clinton become pre- becoming president uh, oh my gosh she just if you guys if you don't like Obama or anything Obama's doing she's just going to carry it on and, and she, you know, one thing I'm sure you know Virgil knows about is that you know what when I want to bring this up I, I just did because of time constraints but was that you know she wants to do two things one she wants to extend Obamacare to include illegals, and two, she wants to give illegals. She supports states that gives illegals in-state tuition. So I'm like, really, you know? So she wants to give people who aren't even citizens of this country who have come in illegally and give them a right that citizens of the United States don't have by giving these illegals in-state tuition. And here's the thing. Here's the ironic thing is, are they really going to be the ones paying for it, or are, there, are, there, are we going to be paying for it? But be that out of the day, let's say somebody comes in illegally, and they're, uh, or let's say they come in from another country, and they are a legal immigrant. Why would we give a legal immigrant or an illegal one, and they're talking about legal ones or illegal ones, giving them in-state tuition when we don't even do that for our own citizens? I mean, what the heck's up with that? I mean, you know who's going to be paying for it. We the people are. Every and then you know, and then we got to do stuff locally too. Because I'm tired of my property taxes going up every year. Every year, yeah. I got to put more money, you know, to pay for my my mortgage. Quote unquote goes up because my property tax goes up. The value of my house, my house ain't always going up, you know. But damn well my my uh, my taxes are, you know, for my property taxes. And I'm like every year, you know, it's like. You know, more and more. Oh, just don't get me started. It ticks me off. Yeah, let me make three points. One, Obama has laid the groundwork to give Hillary a pardon. That paperwork and documentation is in place. Two, uh-huh. he just passed where about 400,000 uh, handicapped or disabled people will uh, be pardoned from student loans, not including the military individuals. And number three, uh, the in, the income tax status and Social Security changed in 2015 going into 2016. So there's a continuation of totally destroying America, uh, setting up the path for uh, the Clintons to get into power uh, with pardons mm-hmm. and things on the table. Uh, people aren't even aware of what's really going. If you don't do your homework, on why are they giving 400,000 handicapped or uh, disabled people but not paying attention to the military. You know, I'm a retired master sergeant. I have a $250,000 student loan uh, that's paid uh, that I have to take care of. And yet the state of Florida just passed the thing that if you are a police officer and you die in a line of duty, your spouse is going to get half of your uh, pension, uh, and yet if you're military and you die in the line of duty, you don't get nothing. And, you know, we saw people going to one of the senators in Florida and asking for help, and the secretary 
from the senator, and it wasn't Rubio, it was the other one, uh, actually gave the lady an umbrella and says, well, if you're standing outside in the rain, here's an umbrella to protect you. So this is the kind of things that are going on right now, Robert, and people just aren't aware of what's happening to our no, system. they're not. And let's go ahead, and uh, we are going to bring things back around a little bit, back uh, uh, to you, Susan and John. But first of all, let's go ahead, and then, of course, back to you, Dr. Uh, Dr. Tolbert. But first I want to bring in Kelly, and then we also have uh, other folks out there. If you'd like to chime in, uh, then give us a call at 347-945. Okay, let me talk. I'm just reading and trying to talk at the same time. 347 <laughs> And I was uh, actually reading a post in the chat. Thank you for, to American statesman uh, who uh, was participating, uh, asking, you know, what if Trump does not uh, get the GOP nominee? And we'll definitely be talking about that. And uh, American statesman, if you want to come in and kind of spearhead that conversation, you can. Or, of course, with the host, I will too. And uh, you can make comments in chat or give us a call at 347-945-7428 and just push that one on your number dial when you like to get in. And so, as I said, I'm going to get Kelly in. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing all right. I, uh, I'm a little frustrated with the uh, Republic cats and the Democans. Uh, I'm having trouble telling the two-party system. Apart from each other, a two-party system, they're in favor of it because it's party all day and party all night. And you wonder... Are these people drunk, the way they're running the country? And everybody stand up for big hooray at the 9% approval rate of Congress. <laughs> um, you know, you were talking about the survival of the fattest. Uh, survival of the fattest, yes. That would be the fat cats in Washington and the District of Clowns trying to um, survive this wave of people being uh, part of the POP party, which is a new party. Have you, have you heard of the POP? It's a new third party. POP, you ever heard of it? Uh, the POP, no, I can't. I, it's been a while. I, I've heard it, but I can't remember quite which one it was. What it was. It, it might it, even come from it's you, Kelly. It's, it's called the pissed off party. <laughs> and, uh-huh. uh, Maybe I didn't anyway. hear from that then. Maybe I'll think it's something else. Go ahead. Yeah, so it's, it's quite quite the movement these days, and I'm, I'm glad Tolbert's on to discuss some of that. And, of course, you have to watch out for your shrills, um, et cetera. Uh, watching Gary Johnson on the Stossel debate the last uh, couple Friday nights was real interesting. And I'm like, Gary, I mean, I'm, I'm like, oh, gosh, okay. He's not a true libertarian. He doesn't quite get the Constitution the way libertarians do, but they love him anyway. Um, I don't know how much hope there is in that, but I uh, – seems all frustrated. I, 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 and I'm, it's coming down to June 7th here in California, and I still can't decide. You know, Trump or Gary Johnson, Trump or Gary, Gary Johnson is going to win the Libertarian nomination. But I'm just like, you, you, <clears throat> anyway, a lot of good things about Trump, an awful lot of good things. And I'm like, wow. Um, should I go into the thing about what I found out today about uh, the the new way to commit electronic election fraud? Should I go into that or should, should I wait for that? Well, actually, Kelly, I can answer that for you because we filed a lawsuit against the uh, Florida and other states and grievances of the fact that uh, Romney owns the majority of your voting machines in America. So 
uh, that's an easy thing to do to commit voters fraud. Oh, like uh, the Sherman Antitrust Act, something to do with that that Congress won't enforce. Yeah. Um, well, well, what uh, what do you know about the re- the voter registration games going on right now? Are you aware well, of this? Yeah, they won't let certain people vote if you're at a certain age. They are stopping people to vote. They're stuffing voters' ballots. Uh, they're restricting uh, no party affiliated in the state of Florida. There's uh, uh, there's so many things going on with the computer and the database. Uh, the uh, Division of Election actually pulled up more uh, people than normal that filed late. Uh, the divisions of elections and the Florida Division uh, Commission uh, of, of Elections are now uh, in violation of Title 18. I mean, we can go on and on and on about voter fraud, but this is one state. It's happening in every state. Oh, absolutely. Well, um, I, today I called Francois Choquette, and I'm in contact with uh, Richard Charnin. He's a, a brilliant mathematician about electronic election fraud. Here's the bottom line of electronic election fraud. Once your vote is turned into an electron or a group of electrons, um, it is so easily manipulated by computer programs. I've programmed in four languages. Um, and I, oh gosh. Anyway, so this new thing I heard today, Francois Choquet, um, he starts out basically, yep, a lot of games, just like it was in 2012. Um, but there's a new aspect of this. He says, follow the chain of custody. So what do you mean? He says, voter registrations. They can hack into the uh, database of the county, and they change your party affiliation. Now, what does that do? In closed states, for example, California, if you don't register in time, there's a deadline. If you don't register uh, to be a Republican, you can't vote in the Republican primary for a Republican. That's a, that's a close state, you know, Democrat, Democrat, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, several states are doing this. So you think you registered as a Democrat, and you're going to the polls, and it's like, what? I can't vote Democrat, but I am a Democrat. Wait, I'm a Republican. What the hell's going on here? What they're doing is they're computer flipping the voter registration in closed states, so you can't vote for Bernie Sanders. Just Google it on the on the web. Uh, voter registration flip. What's happening in, in many situations? A lot of people are complaining, and it's happening. And so, you know, uh, California's going to be interesting. Oh, I voted Republican. Oh, what? I can't vote for Trump? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. 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 What? I'm a Democrat? Oh, this must be an honest mistake, but it's happening all over the country. So, it's unbelievable. Yes, Romney owns a, um, ES&S. He used to be called Diebold until they got caught with their pants down, and Diebold uh, sold the company to his, what? To his brother, yeah. And now, like, all ES&S. Um, so, you just cut him off at the, at the very beginning by... Uh, Sorry, you're no longer a Democrat, and you can't vote for Bernie Sanders or or Donald Trump because you're Republican and you're now a Democrat. Your vote don't count. Um, talk about a game show. Gosh, I'm just yeah. so I'm gonna try something here locally, and we'll see. Um, but, and by the way, um, 
Mr. Tolbert, you might want to call me, and there's some things that you, you can do with the grand jury. Particularly Florida has a statute in their statutes that uh, election time comes around. It's a high priority for the grand jury. Um, yeah. Robert, go ahead and give him my number. But I I, I like your, your, your requesting redress, but I have discovered um, very deep research that the right of petition in its historical intent and confirmed by the Supreme Court Bureau of Duryea versus Garnieria, 2011 case, Adderley versus Florida, 1966 case, that your petition originated in that it was to go to a grand jury, and that overcomes some of the gatekeeper games you may be experiencing. Uh, gatekeeper games meaning prosecutors, uh, thank you for the petition, I just threw it in the trash. You just violated my right of petition. So, yeah, Robert, go ahead and give him my number and see if I can help him there yeah. in Florida. Uh, um, it it yeah. is so unbelievably frustrating that, you know, the survival of the fattest, they are going to do everything they can to have their nice little pompous-ass fat gig and the American people are completely disenfranchised. It's just, all right, I got to shut up. I'll yield time. I'm just too frustrated. I can go on too long right now. Yeah. What we did, Kelly, when we filed the grievances and we went directly to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court said we could not go through them because we had to go through the state. And we quoted them the last sentence of the Supreme Court, of the article that assigns the Supreme Court that says, that if you as a citizens have a grievance against the state, you can go directly to the Supreme Court. So we are arguing with the Supreme Court that they don't even know the Constitution themselves. So then we went to the Attorney General, or the Inspector General, and we said that if the uh, Secretary of the State, the Division of Collection, the Attorney General are not upholding the Constitution, which, by the way, the Constitution says open primaries and not closed, which Florida is one just like California, and we filed a grievance against that, and then we filed it with the federal government. So the answer to your question is we've got a lot of guys now that are filing what they call writ amandanas, and they're putting putting it in the system. The courts are rejecting it just as they are rejecting things about crews because they don't want to read the Constitution. So we are going to continue just saying everybody needs to stand up. Everybody needs to read the Constitution. And the people in the Supreme Court, by Congress, can be replaced. All Congress has got to do is say, Supreme Court, you're not carrying on your duties. You're, you're, You're no longer a judge in the Supreme Court. The Congress has that power. But because of the antitrust violations, which we filed another grievance by the Democrats and Republicans working together, which, again, would be violation of Title 18, we're finding that the political parties are not going to change until the American people stop allowing it to happen. And that means that you have to understand, first, your vote is not going to count. The machines ran by the Romneys are going to change the votes to whatever they are, you're going to have to stand up as millions and millions of Americans, which, by the way, are 4 million, no party affiliated in the state of Florida, out of 11 million voters. And oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And, and we're seeing 
a 33 to 40% throughout the nation now. But what I'm finding is that the Democrats and Republicans are switching into the no party only to influence the no party voters. So people need to be really cautious what's going on. Oh, I've had my suspicions about uh, Gary Johnson was a Republican, and he did a lot of good things in New Mexico as governor. But he's freaking sounding like a Republican and, you know, a very liberal Republican. But I'm like, and, and by the way, in, in, inside, I'm a racial libertarian, went to several conventions, blah, blah, blah. The Republicans are sending their people in there to dilute the Libertarian Party and mess it up. And I just, I had these thoughts in the back of my mind. Is Gary Johnson a Republican plan? I don't know. Sarwark, who's the chair, gosh, that guy says reeks of being a Republican. And some of the stuff he's doing, I'm like, dude, you're trying to wreck the party. Are you out of your freaking mind? I mean, he, he wrote he wrote a letter, okay? There should be no borders in America. That's a libertarian view. No, that's your view, you idiot. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, do you want to push people out of the party? Oh, that's right. If it if if this is the plan, it's working. You get yeah. Well, the you, libertarian you, you get a chair who's saying get rid of the borders. Yeah, and the party's done. Yeah, it it really is. After Wiley in two thousand and fourteen. We made 200 meetings running for the governor's race. Wally allegedly was having 8%. He ends up pulling less than 3% in the the state of Florida. We had, according to Fox News, 14%. They wouldn't let us debate uh, in the the primaries. But then they got this new guy running in the uh, Libertarian Party that became really an issue for the Libertarian Party. So we can forget the Libertarian Party. The Constitution Party is going strong, but unfortunately, they don't have the funding or the background to get in all the states. So people are saying, mm-hmm. well, we're not going to vote somebody because they can't win, so we're going to go with the Republican or the Democrat. And I'm saying, no, right now, you need to vote for the person who you feel is qualified and forget the scenarios, I'm going to vote for the best or the worst. Now, no matter who you vote for, we both agree they're going to switch the votes to wherever they want to with the computer, but at least for your own peace of mind, you know you did the right thing. So let's go ahead. Yeah. And Kelly and uh, Doug Chopper, we do have another folk, uh, person on the line. It's Sally with the American Statesman. Uh, she's on the line. Uh, thank you very much, Sally, for coming to the show, and then uh, we'll bring some things around. Of course, unless we get some more people to join our roundtable discussion. Uh, but if you uh, out there and you'd like to, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And if you'd like to chime in, push the one on your number dial. We have plenty of time left on the show. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, move it over to you, Sally. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, oh, there's so much going on here. And um, as... As I did on my own show on Monday, I was celebrating that I believe Donald Trump will take down the GOP. The parties are all one. I mean, uh, you know, the Republicans, the true conservatives who were in the Republican Party, have are escaping to the Libertarian Party because they know they don't have a home in the Republican Party. It's just such a game going on out there. And we've got to shut it down, and I think we have a true chance to do that. Of course, I want both the parties down, but right now I think we have a good chance to um, – take down the Republican Party because it truly doesn't stand for anything anymore. And the games that they're playing with people, they're disenfranchising people. 
they had, Colorado was the perfect example of just saying, we don't care what the voters think. We're going to tell the voters what, what they should think. And this mm-hmm. is the whole thing with the parties. And I put out there um, – What's going to happen if if Trump is not the GOP nominee? And I mean, since they're playing these kind of games and they're rigging the system, um, the the GOPers, the ones who are the diehard who believe in Donald Trump and are sick of the process, many of them, I'm afraid, will stay home. And I'm telling them, don't stay home. Go go vote for the Constitution Party candidate or vote for somebody else, whatever. But do not stay home. That is that is the that is the worst thing to do because then you're just caving into what the games that they're playing. So I tell people, please don't stay home. Not to mention, there's more than just one part, one thing in, on the ballot. You know, you're not just voting strictly for the presidency. You've got a lot of other people out there, and uh, and many times you have referendums and stuff like that. So you still have to vote, but do not vote for the parties. I mean, don't if you happen to believe in somebody who is a Republican, fine. Vote for them. That's not a problem. The problem is voting for the lesser of two evils. And I mean, I don't know how. Can somebody tell me? Convince me that that it's a good thing to vote for the lesser of two evils. Because aren't you still voting for evil? I mean, the American people are saying we're satisfied with evil. We want the lesser of two evils. So evil is a good thing. And when they turn out to be evil, we're mad because they're evil. Yet we said we were going to vote for the lesser of two evils. I mean, I'll I'll say something really good about that. What's that? Um, I'll tell you something good about the lesser of two evils. Uh, that would be my campaign. See, I'll change my legal name to less, less, or of two evils. It would be my legal name, and then everybody's going to vote for me. So it's a good thing for me. <laughs> okay, if you could do it that way. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, I really, uh, when it comes down to the craziness of these two parties and the the diehard loyalists to the two party system, you're really the problem. Nothing personal, but you're the problem uh, because you insist on going with the stuff. And I was like, uh, I kind of, it's to me, it might be kind of sick to some people, but the way I look at it, it's like, okay. So the conservatives, Republicans that are out there that insist on voting for the Republican because they're going to be so much better, uh, and we've seen how, how what a wonderful job they've done, right? Um, they've done everything they said they promised they were going to do. Yeah, right. And so, so um, these individuals like, okay, so <clears throat> excuse me, the Democrat is coming face uh, head on to you, face to face. They're telling you they're going to lop your head off. They're going to behead you, and you don't want them to do that. You're, so you're mad. You're not gonna. You're not gonna support that Democrat. However, the Republicans are gonna come up behind you. They're gonna stab you in the back, and then they're gonna behead you. But that's okay because you didn't see it coming. You'll feel so much better if you get beheaded from behind than if you saw it coming at you. This is what Republicans seem to think. And I'm like, would you people wake up and smell the whatever it is? <laughs> Why will you feel better if you get beheaded from the back? Because <laughs> that's what they're doing. They're both destroying us. So would you wake up and stop supporting the garbage? And especially at the local levels, people have to try to, you know, push these people at the local levels to run under some other platform, under the Constitution Party, whatever it is, and start walking away from the stupid parties. Uh, The other thing which I had put out there on the um, blog or on the chat room, there is, it, to me, the, the unconstitutionality of all this, and another lawsuit, if you will, is that they should not be treating some parties different than others. If you're going to go and let mm-hmm. all, let the Republicans and the Democrats have their own little primary with my ballot box, it's the public ballot box, then you should let all of them 
or more importantly, which I believe, they should be removed from the public ballot box. Go have your stinking convention with your own friends. Do whatever you want to do with your own little delegates that you do, whatever. That is your that is your club. That's your private entity. Go do it. Stop using my public property and my my system to rig the system against me. That That is, to me, the biggest thing. That seems like it should be. Uh, legally challenged, you're discriminating against other parties. If you're not part of these two parties, you're not treated. You're treated as a second-hand citizen, and I don't see how that can be mm-hmm. right either. So those are some of my big rants for right now. Sally, Let's go ahead and bring things. Go ahead, Dr. Tober. Then we're going to bring things back around to uh, to Susan and John. Go ahead. Yeah, just a quick question, Sally. What do you think about the constitutional party candidates supporting a Republican? Well, I tell you, I was kind of surprised that uh, that he was doing that, and I guess I'm a little bit disappointed, but I kind of understand it too in the sense that he's voted, he's supporting Trump because Trump is an outsider. Uh, not I, myself, I'm mm-hmm. not a big Trump um, supporter because I don't think Trump really understands the Constitution. So there's that part of me. I'm like, why? Why is he doing this? Especially when I do believe Scott Copeland and. and um, uh, J.R. Myers is still out there, but Scott, Scott Copeland, to me, represents a lot of what I'm looking for, and I believe he actually knows the Constitution, and he actually you know, gets back to what we truly are. So I guess I'm disappointed that he's, he's not um, promoting the Constitution Party since that's where he came from. Well, and, and, and you know, I can't speak to the man, but he did in the, in the early part of the show, and if you heard that, uh, the early part of the show when he came in, you know, with you know, talking to us, and uh, Dr. Tolbert, you may or may not been uh, there at the very, uh, very beginning as he did. Uh, he talked about, you know, his immigration stances. Uh, with that, he brought up about the Constitution uh, with immigration. Uh, you know, he never even mentioned anything really about the uh, as, as him being an outsider. I mean, I could see where, he, you know, that could be something that could be thought on that. Uh, yeah. But I think a lot of it has to do with his immigration stances, you know, for, you know, for that matter. Uh but- is one yeah. of the biggest points, and then, of course, if you missed the beginning part, it's always part of the podcast. No, and, and I did hear him say that. <clears throat> Excuse me, but of course, the Constitution Party is against those things too. So that those that by itself isn't it. But when it comes to, when you're a Constitution Party, and to be honest, I get extremely frustrated when people, for especially the Tea Partiers and the Constitution Party, those who claim to be the Constitutionalists, who don't have a problem with his eminent domain and his out and out um, corruption buying off, bribing local officials, that I have a problem. It's like, wait a minute, okay, you're a constitutionalist, but you don't care about eminent domain. It has his, and Trump goes out there, you need eminent domain for roads and schools and blah, blah, blah. If you use eminent domain in its purest sense, it's, it's not a problem. But when you use, I'm sorry, it's not in the public interest to build a parking lot for your casino. That is not a valid reason to use eminent domain. And he openly admits he, he was a, he was for the Kilo deal, uh, the Kilo case in Connecticut. He openly admits he he paid he donated to their different um, campaigns because he knew when he needed something they would support him. That's called bribery. Mm-hmm. Do people not have a problem with bribery? And eminent domain is one of the most uh, property rights. The right to own property is such a fundamental thing in this country. So constitutionalists who ignore that. I don't get that. I, I don't see how you can be so um, complacent. And eminent domain, obviously, um, immigration is a big issue. Eminent domain, property rights, is a very big issue, too, when you see the land grab 
How come no one's talking about what the the uh, Bureau of Land Management's been doing? How one, no one's talking about that along with the uh, eminent well, domain stuff? Those, those are pretty big well, issues. One thing too. That, well, uh, well, if you remember, one thing that you know, Trump has talked about with eminent domain, you know, and and if we want to talk about bringing you know parking lots and things of that nature, uh, when he was uh, doing that, is one of, one of the things he mentions is they have to be adequately, you know, the, you know, he says, look, they will be adequately compensated. You know, for the land. I mean, he says they have to be, you know, get a fair deal on the compensation, you know, and it is voluntary compensation on the land well, that, you know, the government or whoever uh, is trying to purchase. So, you know, so he did say that, you know, with, well, um, you know, with, when it comes to the eminent domain. And there was another point you were making, I was going to make comment on that. But with the eminent domain, you know, let me just follow one one thing up with this eminent domain. Not to cut you off there, but I got to give you this one example. This is what this is the ha, what happens with eminent domain, um, and buying off local officials for any reason is not acceptable to me. That's just plain old bribery. But when it comes right here in Florida, uh, they're doing this crazy I four ultimate ultimate I four widening thing. It's a bunch of garbage. They went and used eminent domain to take the homes from forty individual forty families. They spent $12.9 million in the eminent domain, $12.9 million for 40 middle-class homes that were probably somewhere to the tune of $100,000, $150,000. So think about that price tag. And uh, then after they did this, oh, gosh, we don't need that after all. We're not going to use that. Oh, gosh, we're going to have to sell it to a developer for, oh, three, $4 million. Wow, gosh, uh, you know, what a, what a deal. Uh, do you not think that was the insider trading? Because that's what I see it as. This is the other abuses of eminent domain, and that's when the state is involved in it. So there's so many games that go on with eminent domain. and But Trump was proud, proud to go and take all those homes from those people so they could build a shopping center that has, has gone belly up. He said that was a good thing. It's not. It is not constitutional to take the land from one private person to give to another private person. Very, very much unconstitutional. That is not the public good. Yeah, and uh, Robert, I did mention, and I did hear uh, Virgil talking about immigration, and that's why I got into mm-hmm. the conversation. And it's also part of the Constitution Party's problem is they want to give the executive branch authority where, in fact, the authority can only be given by Congress when it's declared an invasion by the illegal immigrants. So most of the political parties don't understand that the executive branch, even when they get into Reagan or anyone else, actually breached the U.S. Constitution. And the Supreme Court ruled on that in Arizona several years ago when they tried to claim money back for incarceration of illegal immigrants, and the Supreme Court ruled until Congress declares them invaders, it belongs to the state under Amendment 10. So I understand where he's coming from. I understand where Trump's coming from. I understand where the Constitution Party's coming from. Unfortunately, they don't understand the Constitution. Well, another thing I want to bring up is, you know, you were talking about, you know, we, we, of course, we've got to be practical as well. And you're talking about, you know, what Trump and the deals, he's proud of the deals and things of that nature. You know, sometimes it takes someone who knows the system, who's used the system, in order to break the system, okay? And I think uh, he might have had, you know, some type of moment that wouldn't be as far as say a Jesus moment or something like that. Uh, but, you know, it might have been like, uh, look, you know, when, you know, I've been there, I've seen this, 
it's it is corrupt. I I realize that, and so you know you got to give uh, the guy greatness all of that. In my opinion, is that you know he's seen the system, he's worked it, and now he's like, yeah, that's probably not a good thing for America. And now you know since I know the system, you know he's got the realization that it's you know corrupt, and wants to do something to change it. I mean that's that's maybe why what a lot of the evangelicals. Uh, have been supporting him for you know where they thought it would people thought it's going to be Cruz. Cruz thought that he would get the evangelicals in, but in a matter of practicality, and I think this has in part to do uh, with uh, as I said I can't speak for the man, uh, but in part uh, to do with his endorsement Donald Trump is that you know in all practical matters it's either going to be the Republican or the Democrat, or let's just even put it this way even more succinctly, it's either going to be the Republican. Uh, nominee or Hillary Clinton, who's going to be president. One of the things that I've you know, said here is, you know, and, and everyone here knows, you know, I do support multi-party system, you know, the, the alternate parties, third parties. However, you know, and I did vote for Roger Good in, in 2012. Okay. But that being said, is that, on, you know, practice, you know, for practicality matters is I think that, and I think you mentioned this earlier, uh, Sally, and perhaps you died in October is this, and, and this is what I think. I think that if, in order for the third parties or alternate parties or grassroots parties or liberty parties, whatever you want to call them, okay, for them to be able to get successful is you're, you're just not going to be able to do it from the top down. You're not going to be able to do it from the presidency uh, down. You'll have to do it, you know, if you're going to do national, your best shot is either a House representative seat, possibly a Senate. You might have a better chance as a House member than a Senate. And then definitely your local you know, your municipalities, your, you know, probably not even at your states at this point, uh, but maybe your counties, your city councils, you know, and things of that nature, those type of positions. And then once they, you know, more people say, hey, wait a minute, we got a, a, a Green Party candidate on our, uh, you know, our city council, or oh, we got a, a libertarian who's our county commissioner, one of our county commissioners, or now oh, we got a Constitution Party uh, person who's, you know, in our state house, you know, or something of that nature. I think. And it's going to take a long time, and unfortunately, probably longer than I would like to see. Uh, but I think it's going to take a long time to do a bottoms-up approach before uh, the, what people say binary parties uh, could do to, to get that influence uh, into the more in the national stage. But in a matter of practicality, and I think you know, going back to what uh, his endorsement of, of Trump is that look, this is what we've got. I mean, as much as we would love a Constitution Party candidate, you know, to be the president of the United States, and I agree. I would love that. Practicality, though, that's not going to happen. Uh, now, well, we could say, well, let's not move for the same evils. And I talked a lot about this in 2012. You know, and I always say vote your conscience. If you think you need to vote for, you know, Donald Trump, vote for Donald Trump. If you think you need to vote for, you know, Romney in 2012, vote for Romney. Vote your conscience because then you can walk away, you know, clear thought. But when it comes to the endorsement, the, practic- the practic- practical matters is, of the candidates who got a shot at being the president, okay, his choice was Donald Trump. Out of all the other candidates, you have a possibility of of doing that. And Trump, as we know, probably needs whatever types of endorsements he can because if there's one thing we could say about what's going on with Donald Trump is everything and everyone is coming out of him. The RNC is coming at him. The DNC is coming at him. The so-called uh, conservative media is coming at him. You know, I mean, he's getting it from all sides. And one of my contentions is, when it comes to Donald Trump, is this, is that 
if you've got all these power elites, if you've got the political, almost the entire political class, including the media, the political media, coming out after this guy, there's got to be a good reason for it, and it's got to be a reason that doesn't bode well for them, or else both these guys just wouldn't be coming at it. Now, we could say that Republican Democrats are pretty much one party, and in a lot of ways, and I would say most ways, I agree with that. I mean, I left the Republican Party in 2012. I was a Republican most of my life, okay? But, you know, of all the people who, who, who will be president, you know, whether it's Cruz, Clinton, or Trump, those are probably your three most likely. Which one of those three is – I mean, he's certainly not going to endorse Hillary Clinton. You well, know, he didn't do no. Cruz, maybe because what you said. Uh, and so when you talk to him, you know, a matter of practicality on who is it going to be the person who's going to be the president of the United States. But, you know, the thing then, is, you know, there's, there's a good chance that Trump isn't going to be the GOP nominee because the game's going on. So that's why right now it's sure. truly, uh, truly an opportunity to not support the two stupid parties. But the, the bottom line is, if Americans are so weak, and that's what it is, huh? and people get mad at me for saying this, it, it is a weakness if you're going you're gonna to constantly sacrifice. everything. The reason this country is falling is because people will not stand up for anything. They'll say a lot, they'll complain, but when it push comes to shove and you've got to go mm-hmm. and make a stand, people cave in every time. And, I mean, I've seen it time and time again. Rick Scott is not elected because the Republicans of Florida liked him, but because the Republicans of Florida were too scared. They were too scared to vote for anybody else. And then what What do we have? The crap that has come out of, of Rick Scott's administration? Great. Thank you for helping out with us. You really saved us. Okay. Just like electing the stupid Republican Congress we have who hasn't done squat. So keep voting well, for the uh, garbage. Uh, and, and I agree with you there. Just keep getting garbage. When are Americans going to stand up and grow a backbone and do the right thing instead of being a bunch of sheeple following the two stupid parties? I, it, it's just it disgusts me. I'm sorry. I cannot. I can only take listening to that kind of of nonsense to say you're going to keep you're going to keep doing the same thing, and then you want to know why the country's being destroyed from within. It's the people that are okay. killing the country by these people. Okay, and, and I'm not disagreeing with you, your points, Sally. I'm not disagreeing with your points. Okay, I agree with you, but what I'm saying is that okay, let, let's say Trump Trump doesn't get it, and you're right. There's a a, a likelihood that he may, he may not. Okay, and then it'll be Cruz and whichever establishment guy he picks or gal. Okay, then you've got Trump. Let's say Trump goes third party, and which he very well may. Okay, the question we got to ask ourselves is that what is the probability of Donald Trump winning the presidency as an alternative party candidate? I would love to see that. Of course, I think that would give so much, you know, yeah, so much gravitas to the third, you know, the third party movement. Okay, that we want to see. However, practicality is that going to happen? And I think it would be a better shot of something like that happening if Bernie Sanders did the same thing. So the only way something like that, in my opinion, to be successful, is that you have Donald Trump break off and he does he gets to the Constitution Party or Libertarian Party or the Reform Party or whatever. The Trump Party. I'm just joking about that, folks. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever party. Hold on. 
wait a minute. Let me finish my point, please. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't do. Uh, it's amazing. I how little talking I do on my own show, but this time I'm going to do some. Um, but the thing is with that is that so let's say he, he breaks off does a third party, and then I, I would not surprise me to see a, a Clinton Bur- a Clinton Sanders ticket. Wouldn't surprise me if they try to pull. Well, not pull. I shouldn't say. But they, would they do what the Republicans did in you know with with um, with Reagan? And Bush you know, to get both people on the on the party. But let's say he doesn't. Let's say Bernie Sanders goes away and she, you know, nominates uh, whoever, whatever, you know, to be her VP pick, not nominates, but chooses for nominee. So you got Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, and then you have whoever Cruz and whoever. You've got the establishment Republicans voting for Cruz and whoever. You've got the Trump supporters or the third-party folks or, you know, and the independents voting for Cruz. I mean, not Cruz, I'm sorry, Trump. And then you have all the liberals, all the Democrats, maybe some of the Democrats have moved over to the Reagan, Democrats move over to, to Trump, voting for Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton will be the next president of the United States, um, which I think, in my opinion, this year would be far worse than anyone else the Republicans have put up. Okay. Because I think she'd be even worse than Obama. But and that's what I'm saying. That, but I, so I don't see I don't see any chance of success practically for a third party candidate. I don't. I wish I did. That's what I say. We we got to move from the grassroots up. The third party's got to move from the bottom up in order to be able to get that grand prize. I guess you could say of the presidency. Okay. Hey, Robert. But that's it's just. Well, hold on a second. It's just not going to happen. So. Well, you know. So, but. Uh, where where it could where real 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 quick because we all know you have to have a certain amount of you know electoral. But here's the thing: think about this, folks. Is let's say none of the three candidates get enough electoral college votes, then the House of Representatives votes on who the president's going to be, and you think they're going to pick Trump or Hillary? No. So once again, you have that. Well, and even if you now, but if you split it up four ways, it makes it even worse. I mean, the system is rigged like that. I say get rid of the. Electoral College, because I think that plays right into the two-party system, right? And well, and, and who wants to uh, – was that you, Kelly, wants to chime in, and we'll bring it back to you, Kelly. And I really want to bring John yeah, yeah. And, and Susan back in too, but Kelly, go ahead. Well, a little note here about the Libertarian Party. Um, the key is getting into the debate um, when the Republicans and Democrats – Oh, I agree with that. Be on stage. You know, we had Christina Tolbert about free and equal – and uh, Gary Johnson is polling 11%. That is a huge amount. And between now and, say, 1st of August, um, if he gets up to 15 in three major polls, he's on the stage. And that could cause the breakthrough necessary to start the third party. Do I like Gary Johnson? Uh, it's frustrating. Would I vote for him? Yes, if Trump gets booted out. Now, here's why even though I disagree a lot with Gary Johns, because he doesn't get states' rights the way he ought to. Um, the reason why I would support Gary Johnson is not because of him, it's because of the party. If we show um, that a third party is viable, okay, in the next elections, we're going to have a ton of people flooding into the Libertarian Party, and with mass numbers, you start finally getting high-quality candidates. It's that simple. To get high-quality candidates, I've been throwing my vote to a third party since, when was that, uh, two, uh, 2000. I said, look, so i got to send a message somewhere that 
yeah, I'm here. I'm a third party voter. I'm real there. You can count my my vote. Um, if I'm going to do it again this year, I'm going to do it again in the general election just to show that, yes, the numbers are there for third party. When you get enough people, you'll get – somebody complaining to me says, look, this is America. You know, we invented the, the what? The, the telephone, the telegraph, um, put the man on the moon, da-da-da-da-da, um, the computer, da-da-da-da-da. Why can't we get a decent presidential candidate? It's like, good question. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we can put uh, – anyway – so by by saying Gary Johnson, I'm saying third party. I'm here again, marrying people. Let's work together and get the third party and break the duopoly. I I, I need to shut up again. Well, no, go ahead. I mean, and, and folks who've listened and followed the show for you know since 2012 know that I support that. You know, but you know we you know we got to look at this part of the show logically as well, practically as well, and like you know, I think it's great and if you heard earlier in the show what i said you know hey what one thing the debate showed is you can't have you know a, a, a debate that's got five candidates uh, you know up on the stage and, and and have a substantive debate you know it could be done and i would like to have it done where you have you know the constitution party libertarian party green party democrats republicans up there you know and maybe one more throw in i don't know but you know the, the fact is is that I mean that would be great, but I'm saying now what we what we would need for, for at least in the presidency is you're going to need Bernie Sanders to break away. But and that's another thing. What 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 do you say when we face you know the, the person running for president and no one gets the electoral college and the House representative votes for it? Go ahead, Kelly. Did you want to chime in on that? Uh, oh. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that clause in the Constitution. If that happens, uh, we're just—I'll uh, say it in Swedish uh, slang. We're fooks. Um, anyway, um, back to that. Yeah, see, that's the bind. That's the bind. Even if, right? Even if, let's say, a third-party person gets in there, gets fifteen percent of the vote, which would be great, and it would give them, you know, a lot of exposure. I agree with that a hundred percent. Okay. But the the bind we're in with who gets in there, I mean, you know, it's that, you know, it's going to be either who they want or or, or what we want. We're going to have to get people in there at the bottom up to, to to break these things down, you know, from the inside out, so to speak. You know what I mean? From from the the local, you know, parties, you know, up to the more you know that regional and national. You know, you know what I mean? Is what I'm talking about. Uh, Anyway, I mean yeah. that, that's that's I'm talking on a more on a more practical matter. I mean, I get where we give get exposure. I'm not disagreeing with that. I guess at, at this point in time, you know, what I'm thinking is, man, I mean, getting. I mean, as you heard earlier, they're already. I think those you Dr. Tolbert, they're already setting it up for Hillary Clinton to get a pardon. You know, <laughs> so even if she does get uh, indicted, if Obama's going to pardon her, now it'd be interesting for having a president that. Can I ask you a but... question? Go ahead. Um, and I mean, this is—you you want to talk about reality? Um, I don't know whether the two houses are going to manage to be able to keep enough Republicans in there, and I'm not sure what it even does. But however, the thought goes out there, and you tell me what you think. If Hillary is a president, and you have two both houses with Republicans, wouldn't that probably be the one that would save you the best? Because even if they don't, even we, we know the rhinos in the Republican Party, but they fight with her just for the fun of fighting with her. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, it, here's the thing. Here's what I here's what I think. It, 
here's what I think of a Hillary Clinton presidency. Hillary Clinton presidency is going to be just like if she had a house. Here, here's the thing. I think with the, I think we're better served having third party candidates in the House and Senate, frankly, because right now with the Republicans in the House and Senate, what the hell has Obama gotten with that with that a House rule, you know, taken over by the the Republicans? I mean, what has he not gotten, you know, funded or passed? He hasn't. Um, that's why, you know, for me, I, uh, I, for presidency at this point, I'm more of a definitely more of a Donald Trump supporter than anything else. One, because there is a practice, you know, there is a practical uh, path uh, for him to get the nomination and get the, the presidency. It could happen. Uh, he's got a lot of stuff, you know, against him, but it could happen. Okay, you know, and then all, but but if you get yeah, but if you get but if you get Cruz, I, as I said earlier, uh, you know, here on the show and also in you know social media out there, I think if Cruz gets president, I think it's going to be status quo. And I think all these people who think Cruz is going to be like, oh my God, he's going to be such a great constitutional conservative, I, I don't see that. Okay, and then if Hillary gets in there, we're, it's not Bard's logic after dark, so I can't say that yet. Uh, <laughs> But we're screwed, you know. And, and so let's go ahead and bring this back around. I've been really wanting to do this. And we've got plenty of time. We've still got over an hour or so to go. So let's go ahead and bring you things back to, to Susan and John. So Susan uh, and John, you've heard a lot. We'll go with Susan first, of course, uh, deference to the ladies. Uh, but Susan, you know, you've heard a lot so far since uh, you last got to talk with uh, Virgil. What, what do you think about everything we've discussed? Any topic you want of we discussed so far, make some comments on. Go ahead. Any topics? Wow. <laughs> Um, well, that we've no, already discussed. Um, <laughs> Kelly mentioned a name he was calling the Democrat and the Republican Party, and I can't remember what he called them, but I think Jesse Ventura called them Democrats and Republicans. I think Kelly's name for them was different. But um, Reagan was forced to take Bush. And oh, yeah. he was forced to take Johnson. They blackmail, you know. I'm not sure what they did with Reagan. Um, I, I don't recall hearing anything about blackmail. But many times they're forced to, so whoever, if Trump or Cruz, they might blackmail one of them to take somebody. I have always felt we should vote on the vice presidency just like you do on the lieutenant governor. Um, mm-hmm. But um, where is this at? I was looking for it. <laughs> no, I can't. Oh, my girlfriend in Massachusetts, who likes uh, Bernie and Trump, wrote a letter. Excuse me, stop Donald Trump. To the editor, last night I received a phone call from the Democratic National Committee. And speaking with the young woman at the other end of the line, I learned that the caller was indeed dialing for dollars on behalf of the Democrat National Committee. To my surprise, the funds being solicited were not to support a specific candidate running for office or to promote several Democrat candidates, but were for the purpose to stop Donald, Donald Trump. Excuse me? If the DNC is so desperate that we the people are giving careful consideration to a candidate, are giving careful consideration to a candidate who identifies with the needs of Main Street, who has not been bought by large banks, insurance companies, corporations of Wall Street. They're actually soliciting funds to stop a Republican candidate before he's won his party's nomination. Excuse me? 
I haven't followed the direction of the presidential primary election is taking in regards to the ridiculous questioning by interviews, interviewers on national TV. The spin from those foolish questions goes on for days. I'm disgusted by the rudeness of the interviewers who interrupt the candidate to pose another observed question just to be answered. Chris Matthews, Anderson Cooper, do you get a bonus if after such an interview your targeted candidate loses in the next primary? Are your tactics the quality journalism we, the American people, deserve as we decide to get our votes? Excuse me? Is the soliciting of funds to take down a candidate by the opposing party even before the national conventions and ridiculous questions and rude interviewing tactics really the best this country can do in the process of electing the next president of the United States and the leader of the free world? We deserve better. Carol Boyce from Iron Woburn. Uh, Carol Boyce, Iron from Woburn, Massachusetts. I thought you might enjoy her letter that she wrote to the newspaper and it got published, as a matter of fact. I'm here. I know I was just going to bring it uh, over to John. Looks like we uh, uh, lost uh, uh, Dr. Dr. Tolbert's call. He had to go, so uh, I'm sorry. Isn't that amazing that they would solicit friends? Before he was out the nomination in order to stop him. I, I missed that last part. You were laughing too much. <laughs> I said, that's amazing that they would solicit funds to stop someone in the other party before he's even got oh, the yeah. nomination. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's just, I mean, I, I thought 2012 was was bad. I mean, this is even worse than, than that. I mean, when you got establishment candidates, not candidates, you got the Republican establishment folks saying that, you know, they would vote for Hillary Clinton before uh, Donald Trump. I mean, come on. What does that tell you? <laughs> what does that tell you when they say that they'll vote for Hillary Clinton? It's about the political elites. It's about oh, they'll vote for a politician way before they vote for an outsider. You know, it's just it's unbelievable. People. People. And uh, oh, there we go. Looks like we got Dr. Tolbert back in. So let's go ahead and uh, open his mic up. Welcome back, Dr. Tolbert. Let's go ahead and bring uh, John in, and then we'll uh, bring Dr. Tolbert back in. Go ahead, John. Oh my, um, I kind of want to back up a, a little bit too to comment when you guys were talking about this eminent domain, and you were saying that they were going to get fair market value on the property. Well, you do not have to use eminent domain to get fair market value on your property. The only reason anybody tries to use eminent domain is if they can't get you to work in good faith negotiations, then they want to strong arm you by using one of their crony crooked people in government to force you through eminent domain to sell you their property because they can't good faith negotiate it out of you. So I don't agree with that um, philosophy that you can use eminent domain, uh, eminent, no, eminent domain to, you know, pay people what their property's worth, because you can do that without eminent domain. But uh, another part of this whole situation is the corruption of the human heart. We, the people, as human beings, need to back up and understand the whole reason any of this stuff exists is because the founders fought bloody wars before the Declaration of Independence in the in the understanding that, hey, 
we all have to be unified together and fight this battle as a unit team and row this boat in the same direction together. Otherwise, we're all going to perish. And when you think about how all of the different battles are going on today, whether it be the Republican Party with these um, convention rules, with the delegates, well, who's the rule? Who's the people making the rules? They are doing voter citizen nullification. So they use you like a pawn so that way they can milk money out of you, send your contributions to these campaigns, you know, these particular candidates. So they get your money there. And then they say, okay, now do a dog and pony show to go vote for the candidate that you think's like. Show up at the polls. Okay, well, now you, you got more invested in it. Now you're also running around trying to tell all your friends to vote for the guy you think should be voted in and whatnot. So now they continue to get people involved that way that helps drum up more money for them. And then at the um, Republican National Committee or Democrat National Committee, they're collecting all this money for the candidates, and the candidates are bound to the national parties, and they're stealing our money that way. And then they turn around and fool us into this nullification of our right to self-govern by making our votes not even count. And it's the corruption of the human heart that we have to figure out how to straighten out. Because, number one, if we're founded on the Declaration of Independence and then the Constitution builds off of that, then the people that's working inside of these groups, whether it be the Republican Party or Democrat Party or any other party that doesn't recognize the founding, the spirit of what our promise is in our founding, they're not American. That's un-American for you to want to manipulate the masses by taking advantage of their ignorance and to nullify their participation as a equal citizen in the electoral process. So Ted Cruz and Kasich, these people that's all good and well, happy to go along with the Republican, big, you know, boss insiders, they are corrupting the very Constitution and Declaration of Independence that they claim to stand to benefit from. So, therefore, if they yeah, want that's to what I was saying the other day. The, the guy I was chatting with, yeah, yeah, and it, it's just like, well, hey, so therefore, for me right now, just because of just the last few things that's turned about over the last week or so. I'm going like, okay, I don't see any other candidates, alternate parties, all of them, whether it be Green, Constitution, Libertarian, or whatever. I don't see any of them mustering enough exposure and uh, um, attention from the masses who vote to challenge any of the uh, um, insiders, the established elite group of people who want to control these different groups, you know, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, and um Cruz and Kasich are happy to go along with this citizen nullification, mm-hmm. but Trump's not. So I'm like, hey, the only practical rubber meets the road way of defeating the system right now, unless something changes in the, you know the near future or so, is to vote Trump into office. Otherwise, we're just saying survival to the fittest, kill or be killed. You know, and, and and if they don't want to work by mutual assent, then they, that 
that means that they want to legislate and make me a legislative slave by obligating, encumbering, and burdening me with their will in law, but they don't want to include my will in law, enacted, codified, and ratified as an equal citizen, then they're saying I'm not worthy, I'm not significant, I'm not important, and so therefore I, I have to put on my George Washington and Samuel Adams outfit and start kicking tail to regain my place, rightful place in self-governing so i yield the floor that was very well, well said john and I, I agree with a lot a lot of that uh that you said i mean i, I subscribe to <laughs> a lot of what you said there i was uh, talking to a, a gentleman the other night ex- ex- exactly about that and there was an article uh by uh i think it was on real killer politics where there was an that's actually on the i think i have uh, that article on the page uh, on the Bard's Logic uh, talk page on Facebook, uh, whereas he was a, a uh, was he a delegate or something of that nature from Colorado uh, in 2012. He's like, look, you know, they just disenfranchise, you know, the voters. There, get former uh, no, he was a former Colorado chair uh, of the Republican Party. Uh, his former Jew, uh, Colorado GOP chair message: We're sending is your vote doesn't count and your voice doesn't matter. Um, it just let's see how long this article is. I don't spend a lot of time reading an article. Uh, but uh, here's the article. It says, former Colorado State, and then we'll get you in, Dr. Colbert. It says, former Colorado State Republican Party Chairman Ryan Call called, uh, talked to Laura Ingram today to explain the delegate uh, selection process works and how it cuts out any semblance of democracy or the popular will. Call said the statewide convention that chooses the delegates reinforces all the worst stereotypes of the party. Uh, the very time we should be opening our doors and being more open and transparent and welcoming people into our party, we've uh, essentially made the decision to close it off and make it more cumbersome and more difficult and to present, prevent the ability of people to have their voice heard in the process. You're reinforcing all the very worst stereotypes about the party, and I'm frankly very concerned about the way voters are going to feel, uh, he called, he told Laura Ingram. And so I won't go over to the you know, the whole article. Uh, you can find it on Real Clear Politics or even quicker. And I would say better is you can find it on the uh, Bard's Logic political page on Facebook. And if we are a Facebook user and you go to the page and you haven't liked it yet, well, I appreciate if you did that. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, even those people, you know, and, and I've been saying this, that, you know, they're, they're disenfranchising the voters. You know, I even had a friend who, uh, was one of the you know, panels on the shows we've been kind of going back and uh, forth on. Uh, I won't say who uh, his name is, uh, but you know we kind of, he's a crew supporter. And we've been kind of going back and forth, and you know he said you know he wasn't a big fan. I mean he's like oh well, we're a, a, a republic. I'm not really a big fan of full democracy, which I had to disagree with him on that, especially when you know we're, we vote for our so-called representatives of this. Democratic Republic, but when you have a Democratic Republic that have have corrupt uh, politicians, remember Rome, folks. Okay, uh, then you get what uh, the path that the United States is in now, uh, and we're we're pretty far. I'd say three fourths down that road. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring it back to you, uh, Dr. Torbert. Go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to just bring two points. One is Kersey's wife just came out with an announcement. The only reason he's still running 
is to ensure that Trump does not get the 1,200 delegates needed, and he's only going to stay in the race to force this into an after-a-fact election. And this was an Mm -hmm. article written by her, and he confirmed it, that he's only in the race to ensure that Trump does not win the race. So they are going to try to push him out of it, and this is why this one individual is still in there. Now we're going to get into the... Yeah, we're going to get into the... Yes, his wife is... Say again. I said, what was the name of the person? Did you say John Kasich? Yeah, the the, uh, the third party running for the president. That's John Kasich, right? No, he's the third person on the Republican can- um, Party platform. Right. The- right. His wife just wrote an article why he's still in the race. And her article was, in fact, he's only in the race to ensure Trump does not win. That that was my comment there. Uh, as yeah, far as wait, Lance, I gotta, a go real quick, folks, let me interject. Uh, which you know, I know I'm doing that a lot tonight, but that's just you know, sorry, but <laughs> uh, just you know, Cindy's with us on the line, but uh, unfortunately can't talk. But she did convey something to me. Uh, whereas now, of course, you have Bill O'Reilly, who is now touting that if Trump was the nominee for the Republicans, uh, that Hillary Clinton would trounce him. Now, remember, folks, uh, this is the same person in 2012 who was one of the first of the so-called conservative uh, news uh, personalities to say that Romney uh, was the most electable in beating Obama. Now, for those of you who are uh, regular listeners and those who listened to us back in 2012, heard us talk here on the show that Romney was the worst candidate, and we predicted it, uh, that Romney was the worst candidate to run against Obama, and, of course, that proved out uh, in 2012. Uh, and so now and he was the first person to tell to say uh, that Romney was the first or was the best chance of beating uh, Obama, and that was Mr. Bill O'Reilly, who, frankly, folks, don't even know how to pronounce my last name. And why do I say that? Because I did write an email uh, to Mr. O'Reilly one time back in 2012 pointing out uh, basically his uh, unveiled or veiled support of, of course, he denied it on the show, uh, but he didn't even pronounce my last name right. Now, perhaps he may have done that on purpose, knowing that I didn't uh, uh, agree with his, uh, what he was doing. But, oh, my God, I just got the thing from uh, the show that there's only 90 seconds of the live portion of the show. So give us a call at 347-945-7428 if you want to be a part of or at least listen to the live portion of the show. Now, we will go on. The show will be going on live here, which will be part of the podcast, is that if you are not called in at 347-945-748, you will not be able to hear this part. Now, of course, you will be able to uh, listen to the rest of the podcast, which will be available shortly after the show, uh, but you won't be able to uh, chime in into the rest of tonight's last three hour what we sometimes call Bard's logic after dark and so let's go ahead and bring it back but yes give us a call at 347-945-7428 you got like 30 seconds to do it 
uh, 347-945-7428. And so, you know, the point is there is that, once again, you got someone who uh, said that, oh, my gosh, well, you know, Romney's the, the, the most electable to beat Hillary Clinton. And now he's going back and saying, oh, well, he uh, he can't, you know, tr- uh, Trump get trounced by Hillary. Well, you know what? You were wrong before. And, that, you know, and you were wrong when I pointed out uh, to you uh, last year. So perhaps I need to send Mr. Uh, Bill O'Reilly uh, a reminder uh, email. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Dr. Colbert. Go ahead. Yeah, and I'll just briefly cover the fact that Romney intentionally wanted to run so that Clinton would drop out so Obama would win, and that was a preset because Obama actually paid all of Clinton's uh, campaign funding and everything and made a side agreement for her to drop out of the race. So, again, that's just a fixed situation. But I wanted to get into the eminent domain and how in 1895 they breached the Constitution when they formed the the land grab and they bought 75% of the western United States and how today they're doing it under the national parks. And the state of Florida just passed a $200 million budget in order to do the same thing. They're actually taking your land from you. They're going to use the land and they're going to say for conservatory reasons, but they're really doing it in order to support the water climate control and United Nations. And then what they do is they flip this land to businesses and other parties outside of state. And Sally and I were talking about this the other day. When people talking about the president of the United States in Congress, now they got to go back to the states. The states is doing the same thing. The governor of Florida just did that. And they're now taking land from an amendment they passed that nobody really wanted, given the authority of the state of Florida to buy more land to secure the land. And now here the governor of Florida just went to Japan uh, to bring people into Tampa to bring businesses in. We just watched Ford Motor Company move to Mexico. We just watched General Motors move to uh, China. So what the people have to understand, eminent domain is not just Trump's issue. It's the issue of what Congress has done in violation of the Constitution when they violated Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2. And their rights under these articles have been totally uh, uh, invalidated, and and the American people aren't even aware of the fact that the, the problems we're having uh, is that we've allowed the federal government breach the Amendment 10 of the Constitution. And people need to read the Constitution. We just put up all the amendments. But the uh, Article 1, Section 8, Article 1, Section 10, the Tenth Amendment, the statements by Thomas Jefferson, uh, I get into the state rights. And, and people have to realize, unless you stop your governors and you stop United States senators, eminent domain doesn't mean anything anymore because they've totally taken it away from you. Let's go ahead, and we're going to move it uh, to you, Kelly, and then Sally, and then I'm going to bring up another topic. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, eminent domain is, uh, okay, we all know, and we're all kind of thinking and feeling the same thing. It's real simple. You don't grab somebody's land and give it to a corporation for the corporate profit. You don't do that. Eminent domain is for the public good, roads, 
ridges, dams, water treatment plants, sewage plants, okay, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Only one is definitely for the public good invoked, I'm saying this carefully, invoked when there is not a William a willing seller. So yes, we absolutely do have land rights. There's absolutely that's true. But if we have an unwilling seller and it's actually for the public good, then yeah, I believe in public domain. Um, this is really part of the problem in that corporations hide behind the government, corporations hide behind eminent domain. We got a problem in the small town here where, oh, we're going to buy the old hardware store and turn it into a parking lot for, oh, what was it, a million and a half, and they sold it to a private party for like 300000 What? Anyway, yeah, weird stuff. So they changed their mind. We're not going to put a parking, uh, a parking garage in there now. Come on. So these games happen, and it's very frustrating. So corporations hide behind their lobbyists who approach a congressman who force a bill, which induces the sale of a product. And who's selling the product? Oh, that's right, the corporations. So <laughs> we see we see the constant finagling by special interests, be it the environmentalists to the socialists to the corporate people, and we got serious problems. And, and one of our, our callers, the really sharp lady, you know, well, Democrats, Republicans, I, I, if I had to, it would be the Republicans. Of course, they could just kind of throw away our sovereignty, TPP. Sovereignty is our highest issue, be it states' rights sovereignty or it's important. federal national sovereignty versus uh, the U.N. and other nations telling us what to do. So if the Republicans betray us by pushing through the TPP, which they are doing, <laughs> that is even far worse than the Democrats. I mean, that's that's the unpardonable sin, if you will, is when the repugnant ones or the Democrats, I mean Democrats, um, <laughs> either party or both together, give away our sovereignty to another nation. That is the unforgivable sin. And I don't care which party does it, it's it's... King John of England was was it was a revolution that brought about the Magna Carta because he gave away sovereignty to the Pope. Jeez, people! So I, I get so frustrated, and, and I'm hoping I'm able to express what we're all thinking and feeling, but can't put into words. So I'm I'm saying the Republicans are just as dangerous as the Democrats as they work on TPP, and we lose our sovereignty. I yield. <laughs> And let's remember yeah, this, folks. I mean, whether you want to admit real, real quick or real quick, whether people want to admit or not, I mean, Donald Trump is running as a Republican, but he's not uh, the Republicans as we've known them today. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to you, Sally, and then I want to bring a new topic in uh, uh, to the show. Go ahead. Well, I think uh, we're all pretty much in agreement with the eminent domain thing, um, and it's it's an important issue, but more importantly is, you know, we we have we have to find somebody who actually believes in the Constitution is going to actually do something to save this country. It's just um, when it comes to Donald Trump, I guess this is the other thing that um, buyer beware. <clears throat> excuse me, is what I would put it out there is, 
Donald Trump, he 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 openly makes he you know he's the deal maker. He he he's got a book on it and all this other kind of stuff. And as I personally am concerned he's not going to quite be what he says he's going to be. Most of them aren't. Uh, but I feel like he's playing to the outrage of the people, which is great. I mean, hey, I am happy that he put the immigration issue out there because we know the cowards of the Republican Party would never do it and that type of thing. So I love what he's saying, but I'm telling you, I think when he gets in there, what was it that he said about executive orders? Um, uh, you know, he said, instead of saying that there's been an abuse of executive orders, he said, well, I'll make good ones. <laughs> I'll make good executive orders. Uh, <laughs> would somebody define to me what good is on this stuff? Because I'm like, he, he, and then, of course, he's for universal health care. He said that, too, even though nobody wants to talk about it. I think you just better be careful what you wish for, because I don't think you're getting, I don't think people know. If he will secure well, that so, border, uh, love, fine. That's well, let me ask this. Let me, real quick, and then I'm going to move on to the next topic. Uh, uh, let me have this. Of the candidates, and let, let's be frank here, folks, uh, of the candidates who actually have a chance uh, of winning the presidency, who do, you, who do you believe would be the best one for? I mean, as I said, I mean, it's not – obviously, they're not going to be, wouldn't be our first pick. I mean, heck, I'd like Virgil Good to run for president again and, and you know, <laughs> and, and win it. Uh, but I mean, I hate you know. It's, this is kind of what we're stuck with. I mean, I'm I, I I'm all with you with you know Sally when it says, hey, vote your conscience, and, and I think you said that too, Doctor Colbert. You know where you can walk away saying, hey, I might not be voting for the guy or girl who's winning, who's going to win, but I'm going to vote for the person who both uh, you know sticks with my beliefs, and, and if that's what your conscience tells you to do, I said that in 2012, uh, and I say it again, did do it. Uh, but that being said, is Let's say the only three candidates that are possibly to be uh, president are Cruz, Trump, and uh, Hillary Clinton. Which one of those would you say would be uh, the best of the three picks? Uh, personally, I, I wouldn't vote for any of them, and I'm, I'm serious in saying no, that. No, I'm not saying that. I, I know you won't vote for either any of them. I, I, I agree with that. I, I understand, and, you know, I understand that completely. That's what I said. If you feel like you need to vote for, uh, you know, your conscience to vote for someone else, whoever that may be, uh, I understand that, but of the three, who would that person be who you think would be better for America? Well, if you're saying the lesser of three evils, it would be it would be Trump, because Hillary is a treasonous traitor. We know what she is. She she's a globalist, and I mean, there's so many things she should be in jail. So we know that mm-hmm. Cruz is not eligible. He's not he's not constitutionally eligible. Eligible. His wife and and the Goldman Sachs and the um, Council on Foreign Relations, blah blah blah, North American Union thing. He's definitely not what he shows there says to be. So out of those yeah. three, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it's it comes down to Trump. But um, again, if we're talking reality, I think we have to be re- realistic to know the the odds are. It's not going to be Trump, or it's not going to be Cruz. I can't, you know. Paul Ryan says no; he's turned it down. Blah blah blah. Who are they going to pull out of the hat? Is it going to be Kasich? I don't know. I don't truly think it's going to be either Cruz or Trump. And when it's not, and when it's not, really, I, I just, I don't think the Republican Party is going to let Trump do it. And um, of course, like I said, I wouldn't vote for for Cruz anyway. And they don't like Cruz either. Cruz is just a puppet to him right now, but he's too dumb to figure it out. I guess I don't know. So you know, but what what do what do you do when it ends up being uh, Paul Ryan or someone else? Where where do you go? Oh, I know where I'm going to go. If that <laughs> if that happens, but you know, but the thing is, is uh, 
You know, I mean, yeah, they could. They, I mean, that would be uh, they would basically be saying, yes, we want a, uh, you know, we want Hillary Clinton to be our president <laughs> if the Republican Party was to do that. And so right. what, what we're going to do is we'll do things a little backwards here. Is um, What I'll do is uh, I'm going to bring up the topic, get a few comments on it, and then we'll do things kind of backwards the way we did it. Uh, we'll have you guys first, Sally, and then Kelly, and then we'll have uh, – yeah, we have, uh, we have plenty of time to do that. Yeah, I think we have plenty of time to do that. And then, uh, and then we'll just kind of go backwards uh, around around the line and kind of do it that way if everyone's okay with that. Uh, but one of the things that people that uh, that Trump is getting nailed on, and uh, and since you know he is kind of the top part of the topic of our discussion tonight, is saying that you know he's like, yeah, what about giving nukes to North Korea and Japan? Now they're blasting, and I'm oh my gosh, you're saying you want to do non-proliferation of nuclear weapons, but yeah, you want to give, you know, Japan and, and North Korea nukes. I mean, what, what what are you thinking? What are you doing? Um, one of the things that he, he talks about a lot is that hey, look, these guys got to learn how to start defending themselves. See, we give them the stuff they buy. I mean, I would say I believe he's saying that they would have to buy these weapons from us, but let them be in their country so they can defend themselves if they get attacked. Now, frankly. You know, if they have, if let's say you had Japan, and the way the, the pundits are saying it now, they're acting like, oh my God, Japan was our enemy in, in, in 2000, I mean, in, you know, 1945 or whatever. We can't give them nukes. Like, well, they're our, our allies now, right? Uh, so I don't, what, what's the problem with North Korea and Japan having nukes? I mean, it seems to be okay with the current administration for Iran to have nukes. Why is there such an uproar about Japan and Korea have them? Now, do I think that, you know, we should get rid of nukes? Hell yeah, I do. I mean, I don't like them. I mean, it's devastating, obviously. But they're here. They're part of the reality. And so instead of us having all of them, and if we're going to put them in strategic spots, I think uh, Japan and North Korea would be good spots to have nuclear weapons. It's not like the Japanese are going to say, hmm, let's go ahead and throw these, these nukes back at the United States. That's not going to happen. And they actually make it out as if that's one of the things that, that could happen. Like, you can't give Japan uh, nukes. And, and then with North Korea, you know, not quite the same thing. It's not the same, the same history. But I think it's a good idea, frankly, that for, the, for them. I mean, just like look what happened in Poland when we took that, that missile shield, you know, and we, but Obama took the missile shield out of Poland. You know, at the behest of basically Russia. And if you recall, when in 2012, when Obama's running and he forgot the mic was on and he looked over and whispers to, you know, Gorbachev, not Gorbachev. Well, I went to back a couple of decades. Uh, you know, went, you know, went to them like, look, don't worry, just wait till I get reelected. You know, I'm paraphrasing there, but I'm sure, you know, if you Google it, you'll find the video or whatever. You know, basically saying, yeah, you know, and, and he was talking about the, the missile shield, you know, the, in, in Poland. So, anyway, let's go ahead and uh, bring it to you guys. Uh, so, nukes, uh, given Japan and uh, North Korea, uh, nukes to defend themselves, uh, good or bad, Sally? Well, it's such a loaded statement. And when it comes to Trump, he continues to say, nothing's off the table. I'm not going to tell them, even if I think I wouldn't do this, I'm not going to tell them that, which I think makes sense instead of we have this guy that's in there now drawing red lines that mean nothing. So to to that degree. But the thing is, we need to reevaluate our role. You know, I guess my frustration is, 
Um, we're paying money to secure the rest of the world, but we don't even secure our own homeland. I think we should be right. focusing on what we have to do to secure our homeland first. And you know what, Japan, if you want our military might and you want to hire us, okay, then we'll do something about somehow doing something where we're getting some compensation for doing this. I do have a problem with us being the ones who foot the bill for everybody else, yet we're the ones who get condemned all the time, and more importantly, is there is no homeland security. This country, Our homeland is being invaded as we speak, and we're worried about this other stuff over there. And, you know, Washington was very much one to say, you don't go out there and police the world kind of stuff. I happen to think Washington and Jefferson are like two of the, the geniuses of our times. And you got to defend yourself. Right now we're not even defending ourselves. So I don't know if that kind of answers your question. No, I don't want to see nukes all over the world. But I don't know how you're going to stop it either, to be honest. The games that are going on between Russia and China, why do we keep feeding the enemy? Why are we the ones who are so, are so, so much support to the enemies in the case of China? I mean... People try. China's not an ally of ours. I mean, they're cheap labor. That's what they are. They're not an ally. Why? Why does China own more of the real estate? Why? And why is good old Rick Scott here going out and trying to bring in Japanese companies here? I mean, we're so backwards. We we don't support America. We support everybody else, and, and we're we're dying right here at our own hands. And I mean, some of that's more economic than it is the war, but it's all part of the same thing. These EB-5s are coming all over the place bringing them in to take over our homeland while we're footing the bill and all this other stuff, all over the, uh, trying to protect the rest of the world while we're killing ourselves. I, it just makes no sense. So it's totally backwards on that stuff, if that makes some sense. Indeed. Robert, so let's go ahead and uh, keep things moving. And uh, Well, uh, Tover, I think you're the, the next one in line, and then Kelly. <laughs> Yeah, and what I wanted to bring up is I'm going to take you back to the statement, and I'm going to show you why this statement is relevant. When uh, Trump made a mistake and answered a hypothetical question on abortion, and we wrote an article and we sent the article to him laying out the rights of the state to Congress and responsibility. We then had seven different news medias pick up our article, change a couple words, but pretty much paraphrased it. The questions that are being asked now of Trump, he's now coming to the conclusion that he should not be answering hypothetical questions. And he's coming to the conclusion that it is not the president's of the United States responsibility to enact or pass these bills. He has the right to waiver actions set forth by Congress and the laws and the treaties and things that's going around. So we are in direct contact with Trump's uh, staff, his his people, the write his articles, and who are doing things. And we are providing information. But we're also finding that the Clintons picked up two days after our article on what we said. We saw uh, the Cruz campaign uh, change their position. We saw the uh, Trump campaign comes up. So when you ask a question when it comes to defense of America, a hypothetical scenarios, and you expect the current or the next president of the United States to answer the question without stating, I will have meetings with Congress, and with our Congress, we will come up with conclusions how to best defend America. That is the only responsibility the president has as an executive 
officer is to support the laws and enforce the laws written by Congress. And everybody keeps asking the president question without asking the Congress how and what are they going to do to support what the president says. And this is the problem today. The power belongs to Congress. Everything you just said does not belong to to the president. It belongs to Congress. So why is everybody continually having hypothetical questions what a president is going to do when he has no authority? Okay, so anyway, so with the question, let's say with the with the authority uh, that they will use, whether they should have the authority to do it or not, if you want to put uh, nuclear uh, weapons in Japan and Korea, what's your thoughts on that? He can't not do it without permission of Congress. So well, why I understood. That's simple. Well, I, I, I understand, but no, I, I, let's say be that, be that as it may, you know, with, with the idea of doing that, you know, with, with those weapons being there, what are your thoughts on that? Well, we're going, we're going to go back. It's a hypothetical, unanswered question because there's no authority, just like there was no authority to make comments on the yeah. abortion. You're asking a question that has no relevancy under the Constitution. Yes. So that's probably the today. They're asking hypothetical questions of a executive branch without realizing, and Trump should have said to everybody, and why would I tell you if I was president what I'm going to do in working with Congress and give my information to you as the enemy? Wouldn't I want to do that without you being aware of it? Why, why would I want to defend America and tell my enemy how I'm going to do it? That is, that's, that's a silly thing for the president to do. Well, I think there's I think there's been a a few instances where actually all the candidates have you know they they would say a little bit of what they would do, and then they would um, you know then they'd start claiming up saying well you know but we don't want to you know give everything what we would do so anyway uh, I guess that's 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 your answer I just I guess the goal of me asking the question is that you know is it something that you would be opposed to opposed with is that regardless of how it is. Okay, let's let let's say Congress said, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Let, let, let's go ahead and say he gets the okay from Congress to have nuclear weapons, or some of our nuclear weapons either bought or uh, you just give it to them over in Japan and and North Korea. Let's say Congress, you know, gives them the authority to do that. Then what's your thoughts? Well, now you got to go back to the fact: Do I veto the bill that Congress has presented? on defending the American soul and 100 members of Congress, the majority elect, to to do that and provide the funding for that. The question would be, if I was the president, would I veto or would I sign off on a bill to put nuclear power in other countries? Don't you think that question has to be determined with more research and data than arbitrarily making answers? I mean, we're you know, I'm a retired military 22 years. And I can tell you things that people don't even need to know about our defense system. Uh, I agree with Sally's comment. We're not guarding our own borders. We knew that that we were going to have the loss of Pearl Harbor. And we allowed the ships and airplanes to come in because we wanted to go to war. Uh, There was many times that we've set up scenarios through the 
uh, United States in order to create a conflict. Would we, in fact, be creating a greater conflict by doing something that would piss China off? Uh, would China then be upset with us? Would we then be creating a third world war? All these factors have to be taken in consideration. Unless you're in the presidential office where you have access to all the secret documents and top secret documents, to arbitrarily a president can answer that question, knowing all the facts and history, what Russia would do if we did it, what would China do if we did it, what would Koreans do if we did it. There's so many unknown factors that unless you're really uh, advised of all these different positions, you cannot say as a president running for office, well, if I was the president, because you would be making a statement without any knowledge. So you're again getting into a hypothetical question, unless you have a top secret background and you understood the position of China, you understood the position of Russia, you understand the negotiation going under the table, there is no answer to the question. Now, that's from a military background. <laughs> well, so I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that answer. It's probably more thorough than uh, what I was asking for, but actually, it's probably a good thing uh, because a lot of people, you know, don't know that and don't consider that. Um, so, you know, just, you know I, I appreciate that. You know, just it does it, you know? I guess it gives more of the answer than what I was looking for. Well, I, I think uh, I'm just saying, you know, good idea, bad idea. Uh, to do that, because I know he's been getting a lot of uh, God's lack with that. And then also, now one of the things, and I'll, I'll bring this over to uh, Kelly, and you can bring in what uh, Dr. Tolbert, you know, talked about. Uh, as I said, it was very thorough, and, you know, I'm glad it was. he said it, because a lot of people probably didn't know that. And that's one of the things I like to do is uh, for the shows to have people be informed, is that, you know, he gets criticized a lot. Trump gets criticized a lot for you know, not talk, talking a lot about policy and what he's going to do. I kind of chalked it up as well. He's not, you know, going to be out there like a lot of politicians and making a lot of promises uh, that he can't keep. Now, the one, of course, he he does pretty much say all the time is, well, he will build the wall and make some great deals, things of that nature. Uh, but overall, it's, it, he doesn't talk about a lot of uh, specific specifics in policy. Uh, now, is that something that, I mean, that kind of bothers me a little bit, but it, it kind of does make some sense because, you know, one, I mean, you you, you got to be in there in order to know what type of policies that you're going to enact. What's your thoughts on that, Kelly? Um, I'm sorry. We've been bouncing around. Can you repeat the question? Okay, yeah, I heard a lot of uh, something moving around in the background. Um, well, the question basically is, is, you know, one of the things that they talk about is, is Trump doesn't seem to be a lot on substance, and some people that bothers. And, you know, I mean, it does a little bit. I'd like to hear more, but, you know, one of the things, uh, perhaps he's not, not trying to make any promises that he can't keep, or perhaps as uh, Dr. Tobert was pointing out, that, you know, maybe you're waiting till you're in a position uh, to be the president and have more information uh, to be able to make uh, some kind of policies uh, and enact certain policies. Uh, do you think that's a, a good strategy, or do you agree with that? What's your thoughts on that? Boy, that is a multifaceted question. Maybe there's another possibility I'll throw in to confuse people. Maybe he's a sleeper cell patriot. Maybe he actually loves the Constitution, liberty. There's been some comments that some people uh, 
are believing he knows more about the New World Order and hates it, uh, knows more about the New World Order than, uh, say, Alex Jones. Um, But he's had to use different techniques to rise to the position he has. So maybe he's a sleeper patriot. Um, Let let me tell you my hesitancy of ever wanting to run for president. It's a hell of a lot of responsibility and a lot of pain to bear and a lot of constantly... Carter got into a position he realized he didn't know what the hell he was doing. The problem is way bigger than he could handle. So maybe Trump is going into this in a very smart way because sometimes, you know, as an engineer, as a consultant, sometimes the absolute best answer is, I don't know. Because I don't know, I'm not going to give you a bunch of um, BS or, if I were to swear, I'd say, bovine excrement. Instead of giving a bunch of BE, I would say, look, I don't know. But I know people who will tell me somebody who will know. And actually, that's a very um, honest position. Stunningly honest when a person says, I don't know. So maybe that's where he's coming from, is the I don't, I, I don't know, but I, I know how to staff a whole corporation. I know how to staff people. I know how to find people who find people and get the answer. That is a stunning characteristic instead of coming out with political promises that are never never fall through with anyway. I mean, I, boy, that, that could be a really stunning piece about Trump because he recognizes he doesn't know. And there's no fault in that. Um, so I, I don't know. I'd, okay, here, here's the class. This is Bart's logic after dark. Um, here's the classic... Uh, Remember one job site, somebody came from corporate when we were in Germany. And this guy says, what, did corporate send you to, to blow sunshine up our ass? <laughs> and everybody just busted up laughing because he nailed it. It's like, yeah, we're hurting out here. we got problems. we got to get our needs covered. we got to get this equipment, this and that, and other things supported. We can't do our job. Did you just come here to blow sunshine up our ass? That's what a lot of congressmen do, politicians do. And maybe that's why they have a 9% approval rating. So I, I, you know, but it's interesting to note that that uh, Trump, Trump, um, he's human. He fell to a hypothetical that kind of they trapped him, and it shows somewhat that he's human. You know, these hypotheticals. I mean, suppose hypothetically, I was on a radio talk show as a hypothetical uh, guest panelist talking about a hypothetical question proposed by Trump. Well, hypothetically, if I was president or I was a presidential candidate, I would say in response, well, hypothetically, let's suppose I was being asked by some uh, uh, moderator in a debate a hypothetical question about a hypothetical, hypothetical. Where do we go now? What hypothetical? Oh, let's get back to the real world, real world, real world, folks, of all these hypotheticals, <laughs> you know? But that's just my hypothetical answer to somebody's hypothetical question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Robert, anyway. that was my answer that, that, you know, until you know all the facts and data, you cannot make an answer that may be hypothetical because you don't know everything until you are the president or until you've been briefed. So when you're asked questions like this, you have to stand. How do you expect me to answer these questions when I have not been briefed by the Department of Defense, nor the Congress, nor anyone else, nor have I read any of the documentations what would be in the best interest of the united states so hypothetical questions 
being asked of a candidate is going to make the press and the candidate look like dumbasses. Yeah, and he did today. I mean, he, he, he you know, just you know gave them an answer, and people just start freaking out about his answer. And it's interesting that it, not even the the folks who interviewed him, uh, at least none that I've seen, even brought up the points uh, that you did on that. They, they they didn't even try to get him a, a, a gotcha with that, which uh, at least appears to me is because they were probably unaware or didn't even think about that either. They were just worried more about. Uh, trying to get him with a, a, a hypothetical, as you put it, uh, gotcha question, than actually seeing what would be behind the answer. Let's go ahead and yeah, uh, bring it over uh, to, to Joe. Let's go ahead and bring John back in and then Susan. And then. Okay. Uh, Excuse me, real quick. Uh, I'm going to have to drop, but it's been great talking to you guys tonight. Thank you oh, for letting okay. me join the discussion and uh, until maybe next week. All right, well, thank you very much. Uh, it's great having you on the show, Sally. Of course, you're always welcome back. Uh, I really like having uh, all kinds of viewpoints uh, on the show. It's uh, what Bard's Logic is all about. Uh, you have a good evening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, uh, it was great uh, to hear from Sally. Hopefully, we'll uh, definitely hear from her again in the subsequent shows. Uh, her show is uh, The American Statesman, uh, which you can also find on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, so definitely check out her show. Uh, Dr. Tolbert, do you know what, uh, what nights her show comes on? It's Monday night at uh, 7 o'clock, and you, you can uh, go to our website. We post it like we do yours. Uh, it's from 7 to 9. Uh, I'm usually in the background on her show, but uh, she brings in a lot of candidates and a lot of people from the local area, and uh, she covers a lot of transportation issues. Her big thing is the illegality of the toll roads and the problems of the eminent domain where you're actually buying the land and selling it out to big business of foreign nationals. And so when people talk Mm. about bought the land and we're protecting our economy, what we ended up doing with it, we sold it to a foreign identity. And that's where she is really focused. And she ran for the Senate. She's uh, very well adverse. Uh, she's in a very well knowledgeable background. So um, uh, she support. And I asked her to come on your show, by the way, tonight. Uh, on well, Monday, I appreciate and I asked that. Thank you. To, yeah, because I felt it was some important topics you were going to discuss tonight. And her and I have the same problem. I get up at five o'clock in the morning Eastern Standard Time. And by nine o'clock at night, I'm done. And so, you know, coming up at five and then running my church, my ministry worldwide, and then running the Senate campaign, the website, creates a lot of time and efforts. But, you know, going back to the fact that when the press challenged Trump, he gave a correct answer when he said that anyone that commits a crime in abortion would be punished, and that would be women or men. And that is correct Mm -hmm. if the law so said that. What he failed to say, though, it is not my authority to make this comment. It belongs to Congress to determine whether or not there's going to be an amendment, and it belongs to the state. After we made these statements, Trump has changed his entire position on everything he's saying. He's now taken the position that you've got to stop asking hypothetical questions we have to do our homework, and we cannot and we will not answer questions based on stupid answer questions. I mean, that's 
That's what a president has to do. I, you cannot give what I'm going to do to the general public and the enemy. And yet everybody wants to think that a president has authority. And Sally and I were doing some typing back and forth. And it all comes down mm-hmm. to what does the Constitution say about the authority of the executive branch to do any of this? And how does it get funded? Who sets up the budget? Who's responsible for this? Without Congress, it doesn't happen. And this is why I'm running for the state Congress. I do want to bring up one more point. The Constitutional Party agreed with you. They're dropping out of really supporting major top-end Senate races and stuff. They're working at the bottom level now. They're going into the commission. They're going into the local offices, the mayors. They agree with you. They have to do the bottom uh, up uh, in order to change America. I have an opposite view because it's about credibility about bringing God back to America, about establishing the Constitution. That's why we're establishing the new political party, which will be CFA, and we will be a minor party with by June uh, in the state of Florida. So, you know, you, you have to get out there and voice your opinion, but you got to have credibility to do that. Our military background, my doctor degree, uh, what I believe, and knowing, because I, I had the same clearance as Kissinger had when I was in the military. I was a part of the Iranian uh, releasing of our, our prisoners. I was with the Navy SEALs. Uh, I wrote war plans. So I understand the problem that a president, I, I worked in Washington, D.C. for two years as part of the military. So I understand the position of the president more so than most people do that he cannot make a decision unless properly advised by his staff and agreed upon by Congress. It's kind of like you're skipping the agreed upon by Congress part. <laughs> you know, without without Congress's approval, nothing happens. You can't you and Congress if he waivers it and Congress by majority rule overrides it, the president has no choice but to go along with it. Your problem today mm-hmm. is the Republicans they and don't. Democrats are the political talk party, and they're going to support whatever Obama wants to do because that's what they've been paid to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, can't and, argue and, that's that. where we, and that's where we have a problem today, is that the way the system was set up with the Bush families putting Obama in office, with the Democrats and Republicans working on the same record, Everybody thinks that the Constitution is being followed. It is not being followed. When we allow executive orders to be written without Congress's approval, without Congress's acknowledgement, when we let the Supreme Court make a law when they have no responsibility or authority to make a law, when we, as American people, let these things happen, our problem is not who we're going to elect for the next president. Our problem is who we're going to elect for the next senator which will control what the next president does. Hmm. Yeah, very good point. And, and Kelly, you've got, uh, you know, you sent me an interesting article about we're all conne- uh, they're all connected or related or something like that. So let's, uh, if we have some time, uh, cause we only got about not even 20 minutes left before we have to start closing things down, uh, maybe 15. Uh, we, we could talk briefly about that. Maybe you could bring that up in, in the closing thoughts. But I don't want to be able to bring uh, John and Susan back in uh, for the show. But Robert, 
Yes. It'll. It'll. It, let me. Let me. Let me do it now since you introduced it. Okay. What's that? Let me do it now since you introduced it because this is mind blowing. This is the seven generations relationship between the Bush family and the Obama family. Well, well oh, I tell you what. How, how if we do it? The, how about if we do it this way? Because I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be, you know, as far as I can for with John and Susan. Uh, go ahead and introduce it, and then let's get uh, John and uh, Susan's thoughts on it. How about that? Um, I'll try as quick as I can. So, years ago, I saw on Yahoo that this ten-year-old girl put together the U.S. president's family tree with Barack Obama in the center, and all but one president in our nation's history. Bloodline related to King John of England. That's bad King John, 1215 Magna Carta guy. Of course, it's sword point to seal the Magna Carta. All right. Uh, Bridget Ann de Avalon was 10, and uh, she was asked to write in French in the class her own family genealogy. And she discovered that 43 of the U.S. presidents directly were genetically related to King John of England. Her grandfather was a professional genealogist. With six years' experience. I'm hearing. So, some, hold on, hold on, Kelly. I'm hearing some some shifting around going in the background. If uh, someone's moving around or something like that, can you mute your mic, please? Go ahead, Kelly. Her eight-year-old grandfather helped helped her trace this um, lineage. And before, they'd only found uh, 22 families because they only went to the male bloodline. This young girl went to the female bloodline. And she even found out she's the 18th cousin cousin of President Obama. But through the female bloodline and the male combining all of her presidents but one are related to King John of England. If you know his history, this guy slept around with everybody and their brother, or I'm sorry, everybody and their sister. And so it, it's absolutely fascinating, the genetic line. So when you look at Trump, he is not part of the bloodline. So they hate him. It's like, click, hello. Um, this is in the American well, that's interesting. Did you see? 14. The, the what? Did you send me that article? I thought maybe you did, but I can't remember. Uh, maybe you can email yeah, it to me or send it to me on Facebook or or send it to me again. Yeah, the website so, uh, is John, we, we, the we com. You can see this article. You can see this amazing thing this girl did on a simple chart. He's, Trump is not the genetic bloodline of his cousins, and they hate him. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. We actually wrote an article on that, too, where we show there was seven generations between the Bush family and the Obama family through the mother, and that, in fact, they were also all related to the Freemasons, and it goes all the way back into the 13 colonies and all the way back to the King of England. And let's yeah, go ahead and get uh, your take on that, John. Well, I think it goes all the way back to the flood, and we're all descendants of Noah and his eight. But um, it sounds like to me we have to understand this is the United States of America if we the people are united. So all of the questions, like even earlier when Kelly was bringing up about promoting the general welfare in in respects to the eminent domain, well, who's deciding what the definition of the general welfare is? Is it all of we the people, or is it an oligarchy that think that they're, you know, smarter than everybody else? Because, you know, that's one thing we know about humans. We humans think we're smarter than everybody else. 
And so, therefore, it doesn't matter how smart I think I am. What matters is, am I showing you that you are equal to me by the way I conduct myself? Because even if you are smarter than me, if you want to make decisions without me having a right to direct the policy in mutual assent with you, you've disrespected me. And if I'm smarter than you and I'm doing the same thing to you, then sooner or later you aren't going to want to play ball with me anymore because you realize I continue to manipulate you with my intellectual idiotness. And so, therefore, (laughs) we all get back to the same point. The point is we all have to decide together what the definitions are and what the rules are and what the processes are, what the procedures are, and row this boat in unity together. And if one of us is smarter than the other or a group of us is smarter than the other, then we have to be willing to show compassion and due respect and due consideration to the weaker vessel to help them either decide with us that my idea is better or they convince me that their idea is better, and we all work in that way. Otherwise, we're never going to make this um, country work again great. We're going to continue to run roughshod over each other and think we know better than everybody else. And so it comes down to who's deciding. And I always want to say, you know, one for all, all for one. We all decide together. Because it doesn't matter how smart I am. You don't care how much I know or how smart I am. All you care about is am I considerate to your own thought and what you want done. And then whenever I convince you that I'm on your side and and I show you that I care about your position and what you bring to the table, then you might listen to me and what I have to say, and then we can work together in unity, rowing the United States of America boat together as a team in the same direction on the same page. Otherwise, we we just self-disintegrate. Like I said before, the Lord of the Flies Part 2. I yield the floor. Well, let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Susan. Thank you uh, for your patience. <laughs> go ahead. And, uh, and Susan, after that, it looks like we'll have to uh, start doing our, our closing out, unfortunately, for tonight. Go ahead, Susan. Just been interested. I don't really have much to say. Um, uh, Excuse me. You really don't. <laughs> I just been sitting, <laughs> okay. learning. Well, let's go ahead and, uh, as I said, I've got uh, some closing, com- you know, open up the floor for some uh, closing comments uh, for tonight. We've got about uh, 10 minutes, a uh, little less than that before I have to close things out. So that gives uh, everybody a couple minutes to, to do closing comments. Uh, so, do you want to do any closing comments or, or, or no? Um, they brought up war, and I believe something to do with war and Donald Trump and different things and not being related, and it's been all kinds of comments, and uh, it seems like we've just gone back and forth touching this and that. Um, one thing I noticed, though, everyone keeps saying Hillary, you know, that she could be the next one, and I'm sure you'll, you're upsetting Bernie Sanders by saying that because he's trying so hard to win. <laughs> yeah, I bet, Sanders. Well, we know that the uh, delegates in the Democratic RNC is not going to allow him to be the nominee. 
Oh, maybe he don't have a bloodline either. <laughs> I don't know. Do no. the Democrats require someone that's bloodlined? <laughs> I have I have no clue. Seriously, does that, would that I, mean I'm that worried. Hillary? Would that mean Hillary and Clinton are somehow related by blood? Ugh. <laughs> uh, to the royalty, I suppose that Bill Clinton was somehow. I've always believed that. Bill Clinton is a Kennedy uh, because um, there's several of us that do because his mother worked for Joe Kennedy and Joe Kennedy slept with everyone that was uh, working for him. So you can see that he talks and acts like Kennedy. Now, were the Kennedys related by blood to this? I don't know. Um, Kennedy got in, but um, they got rid of him because of various things. So I don't know if a bloodline matters necessarily if you don't do what they want. So that's about it. Well, I'm looking at the website. Kelly. It looks like they're trying to sell, uh, sell I guess, these things. Um well, hopefully they'll at least give you a picture of how they're all related. Um, it's a it's product, so it looks like they're trying to sell them. Um, I'm trying to see where I could get a maybe see a picture of one, but it looks like it's what, actually trying to sell that, something. Yeah, while you're doing that, Robert, let me just bring up real quick the general welfare clause of the Constitution. That's how they did away with the state rights under the education. Uh, They actually formed the uh, Department of Education under the welfare clause. They actually uh, formed uh, several other of the government agencies under the welfare clause, and they were all in violation of the U.S. Constitution. So just leave it there, and that's all I got to say for the night. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you very much for calling to the show. As always, uh, you're bringing a lot of great information uh, for us and our audience to to hear and think about. That's for certain. So we really appreciate it, and uh, I also appreciate you putting the uh, link up on the website uh, as well. And so, yeah, we've got uh, – about five, six minutes before I have to close things out. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, give uh, John and Kelly some opportunity uh, for some closing thoughts, and uh, then I'll have to close things out. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, <clears throat> we've been talking about hypotheticals here. Hypothetically, I'd like to see a revolution, preferably uh, peacefully, not by blood. And, and by the way, did you know that the Swordfish in the ocean has no natural enemies but one. It is free to roam about. Its major enemy is the penfish. So, a little joke there. All right, so, hypothetically, <laughs> um, you know, you get into these hypotheticals of politics, and, uh, you know, you start talking hypo words like the Hippocratic Oath, which doctors take to serve people the best. I wonder, in these hypo words, if these politicians take... The Hippocratical Oath. I'm sorry, not the Hippocratic. Yeah, the Hippocrat. Hippocrat. Hippocratical Oath. Yes, Hippocratical Oath. So, <laughs> under that guise of hypotheticals, um, I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton because that way we'll get the revolution sooner. Yes, I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton. 
Yeah, that's what they kind of thought with Obama. <laughs> well, but, but seriously, and it kind of worked. Think about it. There are some folks who uh, contend that in 2012, the reason why the Republicans actually put up Romney, knowing that he was going to lose, so that they could increase their numbers in the House and take back the Senate. And that's why they put him in there, knowing that he had no chance of being Obama in 2012. True? Not true? Well, I definitely think there's some validity in that. Well, that, that, thus you have the validation of the hypocritical oath. <laughs> Got it, Kelly, I think. Yeah, all right. <laughs> enough for me to bring tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. I appreciate it, Kelly. Let's, uh, John, looks like you got the last uh, words of the closing comments for tonight, and then I'll uh, close things off. Go ahead, John. Well, I really appreciate all of everybody coming on here and sharing their wisdom and experience and checking out Bard's Logic Political Talk. Don't forget to go to BardsLogicPoliticalTalk.com as often as possible and share it with all your friends and family and neighbors and everybody around town and around the world. And also, if uh, I hope Dr. Tolbert's still on. What's his regular website? If he's running for office, how do people, what's the web address for people to go check him out and see if they want to vote for him? It's www.cfab. America.com. It's an acronym for Citizens for a Better America. Or you can also go to www.calledoduty.net. So either one of the two will take you to our campaign. In the next week, we should get our paperwork back, and then our political party will be the first three letters CFA, Citizens for America. Trump might need you for VP. He, that was a question that I've been asked by 600,000 people. If Trump moves to the no party affiliated, would I uh, be his vice president? And I said only if he ran under our political party. Well, definitely, uh, if that happens, reach out and contact him. Go ahead, John. We, we've, already done, we've already done that. Over and out. Roger. <laughs> Okay, well, great. Well, I appreciate the the little plug for the website. And, yeah, definitely uh, folks listening live or folks listening uh, to the podcast, uh, definitely check out the website. As uh, John pointed out at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com, there's uh, a lot lot to look at, a lot to do there, so uh, check it out. Uh, There's even got uh, the Bloomberg TV uh, page. You can watch some uh, videos there as well. so definitely check out the different page. And, of course, uh, as he pointed out, uh, share it with folks, uh, either Twitter or Facebook or even through your emails. I'd really appreciate it. They can uh, listen to the show, listen how we do things, and hopefully they'll come and join us and uh, get more people uh, to talk in the line. You know, we just might have to get a bigger round table uh, to get everybody on. And so let's go ahead and do a little preview for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we will have uh, two gentlemen in the next two weeks uh, for the from the Green Party. So that will be interesting uh, having him on. I know we had a Paul Glover who was running for the uh, state – I'm sorry, uh, governor for the state of uh, Pennsylvania some time ago. Uh, but now we'll have uh, next week a gentleman running for the Senate in Ohio, speaking of Senate candidates. And then uh, after that, uh, on the 27th, we'll have a gentleman running for the House of Representatives uh, for the Green Party. 
And so I'm definitely looking forward to uh, having them on and uh, hear what they got to, to say. Of course, we do open it up to uh, the grassroots uh, parties. So I'm looking forward to that. We're also working on, which to be honest, I still have the email. I've, got, I've had her email actually for a couple of weeks for Jill Stein, who's probably going to be uh, their Green Party's presidential nominee. Uh, so I probably should have reached out earlier. But as we all know here, uh, Alan, we have our other lives uh, thing that sometimes time slips through our fingers. And speaking of time slipping through our fingers, uh, it has tonight. So I want to, of course, thank everyone uh, for coming tonight and being a part of the show because this is Bard's Logic, the grassroots, we the people show, the voice of the grassroots, and we definitely be a part of it because this is not Robert's show. This is your show, uh, the we the people show. And so uh, I appreciate uh, you coming. And so let's go ahead and meet again next week. And so we'll end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. And you can also hear my interview that I had with her back in 2012, a great interview, hear some more of her music, and and hear more about her. And do uh, do that by checking out the podcast. And so I want to wish everyone good night, and take care, and we will see you next time. Good night. Good night. God bless you. Thanks.